Bring it in and welcome to the Read Option Podcast and one of my favorite pods, a Jeff and Vito pod, because our boy is back after traveling and finally getting a well-deserved break, uh, and he's with us for the first time in like a month, I think. I know, man. It's, it's been, been a too while, long. So. How are we feeling, buddy? Do, I mean, great. What a, what a weekend. Um what an absolute stunner. I, we'll, we'll get into some stuff later. Had the biggest bet hit I've ever had, a crazy parlay. We had FA Cup on Saturday. Obviously, NFL playoffs getting going was great. Sunday, full slate of games. Um, and then even the, the natty last night. So, or, uh, you know, a couple nights ago for you guys listening. That's why yeah. we're recording a little late. But um, <laughs> it was funny. We're, we, you know, the natty is definitely something that has been hit or miss a lot of hits recently. So this one was kind of a miss and uh, yeah. what can you say? Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into all that. I, we do, you said it there, but we do have to uh, touch on as well. The, the best bet arguably in the history of the read option podcast. And we're not like, Oh, like look at this sick bet that hit bro. But like you hit a parlay that was like an all time parlay. Yeah. So this parlay was only five teams, Jacksonville and Kansas city from the NFL easy they were favored whatever but liked them in there then i had three soccer teams in the fa cup which is all of england plays and um it was wrexham which is ryan reynolds and and rob max team yeah yeah so um they own it and they were playing a team yeah two to three two two leagues above them so like 50 something spots above where they are then i had west ham my team and then um basically bet against millwall which is west ham's rival with sheffield united if you guys don't know what I'm saying here, the point is that one bet was plus 100 something, another was plus 200 something, Rex was plus 380. They all win. And I'm at the end, I'm telling you, dude, there was like five minutes left. West Ham and Wrexham were playing at the same time. They're both up one and they're getting shots peppered at them, dude. Jeff, I'm in the, I'm not kidding. I'm in the fetal position on my floor, like, oh my God, I'm going to throw up. Please just make this. They last through the game. It was the most relieving like feeling ever. Then I was like, all right, we got to have the Chiefs win. So I could have cashed out then at like 300 bucks. It was a $20 bet. Um, could have cashed out 300, let it ride through Kansas City because I knew they were going to win. And then right before the Jacksonville game, I was like, man, should I cash out for like $780? And I was like, you know what? I could hedge it a little bit. I said, fuck it all, Jeff. I threw it all on the line. I said, we're riding out in, in Jacksonville. Listen, that strip sack where the ball flies forward and Josh Allen, the, the Jacksonville Josh Allen picks it up and runs for a touchdown. I was screaming like crazy. It was a $1,000 win, $1,100 win there. So um, definitely uh, biggest parlay I've hit. And one of those ones where once it hits, you're just like, I cannot believe this, man. It was one of the greatest feelings ever. Uh, it's amazing. I, it's it's such a great, great feeling, especially, I mean, it's the rush, right? That's that's what get, that's why people get addicted to this thing, man, because you get that one hit, right? And you just want to keep riding. So uh, congrats! Uh, lost a hundred, lost a hundred on Sunday, thanks to the, the Cowboys. So, so it doesn't matter how good you think you are, you're gonna no. you, you come back down. So you get humbled. <laughs> and same thing with me. Like I had a three dollar bet that was gonna pay out a hundred bucks uh, in the one o'clock window, and it looked like it was good. All I needed in my head was the Miami Dolphins to to win. Right? That's I just had Dolphins money line. That's all I needed. They kicked the field goal to go up nine six, and I said, "Awesome, it's set." But one of the things I had on that parlay 
was the Indianapolis Colts minus four and a mm-hmm. half, which looked great. It looked perfect. They had a six point lead fourth and 12 from like the 50. No way. Davis Mills is doing that. Okay. He gets that. All right, fine. Whatever. Fourth and 20. <laughs> and one of the most nauseating plays I've ever seen a defensive back not make. Uh, and yeah, I lost that. However, in the later window, put together another parlay, $3 netted me 95. So hey. the same, the same thing, right? You have a bad beat. You turn around, you, you throw a few more shekels in, you turn it into, into gold. So, uh, you do baby. <laughs> I was due. Yeah. It was a big, it was a big one, big one. Um, but yeah, lots to get to, uh, want to open up and say more encouraging news from DeMar Hamlin, mm. which I think was one of the more positive and, and fun parts of the weekend, him live tweeting, the Buffalo Bills game. We will get into that. Uh, Vito also uh, acknowledged we are out a little bit later today because we wanted to watch uh, the national championship. And ultimately, we probably would have been fine recording last night anyway, <laughs> based off of the game, but we'll still get into that. Um, but yeah, DeMar Hamlin transferred back to Buffalo, um, where he is currently in the hospital in Buffalo, doing well still. So encouraging signs. We've opened up the last you know, a couple pods that way. So at least wanted to give that update for those who hadn't heard it, but shout out to uh, DeMar Hamlin, who is uh, progressing well, which is excellent news. Um, um, can I, I was going to add one thing. Shout, shout out to uh shout out to my boy, Luke. I know he's a listener. Um, he's a doctor in the Dayton area and he right away was hitting us up with the info. So, um, you know, just so everyone knows, I think it was a heart problem, but my buddy Luke's a neurologist. And the reason why that's important is that, it's all about brain functionality. How long were you off? And he once saw the replay and saw how quickly, you know, those trainers knew what the hell they were doing and got right on him and kept the chest pumping. He was like, There's, that's a really great sign that neurologically, neurologically it's going to be okay. And that's what it is. And just, yeah. you know, credit to all those people, man. Like we all want to, you know, sometimes we, we get in this thing. I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, you know, NFL cares about player safety, but it's too much on the quarterback. It's too much. Just their reaction plan to something like this was incredible and uh you know they practice for this and hopefully it never happens and when it does they're not freaking out they're ready so just hats off to them i know you guys already spoke about it and thanks for reading my piece but um just want to acknowledge that again for sure for sure it can't be it can't be understood um given everything that's happened in the last you know week or so so uh good point um let's dive into the national championship um do it baby whole a whole lot of nothing (laughs) in that game like there was a moment in the first quarter right you know the fumble from the tcu running back as he's taken on the outside and you're thinking oh my god no this is gonna get ugly they held georgia to a field goal yeah and then went down and scored and tcu went down scored a touchdown you say look it's 10-7 they're showing some signs of life life they hit a big play this game isn't over yet. And Georgia said, no, not so fast. This game is over. We are going to absolutely pummel you into the ground. Now, I'll say this. TCU played their worst game of the year. The, the stage seemed too bright. I thought I thought Sonny Dykes didn't look great. Max Duggan didn't do a great job. All the way around, TCU just came up a little bit short. And in that moment, the pressure – you know, you're talking to the defending national champions, right? Who half that team went through media days last year. They went through the short schedule. They did everything, right? They had to go through all of that a year ago. The moment was not going to be too big for Stetson Bennett. 
And not to say that Max Duggan didn't play in big games. He played in the Big 12 championship. They played in the semifinal. They went through it once, but then to turn around and a week later go through the same thing is incredibly difficult to do. Uh, And for TCU, they just – it looked like they were outclassed. I do think the two teams are closer than what we saw last night. Um, Yeah. But Georgia was clearly the better team going into it, and they made a stop the biggest – uh, margin of victory in the history of a national championship in college football, uh, which is is a bummer. If you were a, 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 a what, what do they call it, the psycho toad or the hyp- hypno toad, if you were a fan of the mm-hmm. hypno toad and uh, and TCU, it was a rough night. But um, yeah, was it was a major major blowout. But congratulations, Georgia, back to back champs. It doesn't happen often, uh, no. and and they're clearly the team to beat in college football. It's, it's incredible. I, I think you said it right. Like TCU didn't play their best game and we got maybe not Georgia's best, but damn close to it. Like we saw the full potential of Georgia last night and this team of Georgia versus definitely uh, probably TCU's worst game and how much is due to Georgia, how much is getting behind, whatever. I don't know, but clearly that wasn't their best performance of the year, but man, Georgia, I mean, I've, I've, I've been on it all year saying they're in a class of their own. And after the Ohio state game, I was like, Oh, I guess not. Right. Um, and then they come back and do this. So just hats off to them. I feel like they've been just consistently great all year. They had one scare um, last week and they made it through. And this, this was, uh, it feels like there's a lot of old, of course I'm related to old NFL, but in like the seventies, it was the Steelers and the Cowboys knew like um, they, they were probably ending up in the Super Bowl, Right. But on the AFC side, it was like, okay, well, who else would go instead of the Steelers? There's always these rivalries. So, like, in the 90s, I guess what I'm trying to say is the Cowboys and and, and 49ers. You knew whoever was going to win that NFC championship probably is going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. It felt like, to me, I thought Michigan stood a chance. But once Georgia beat Ohio State, I was like, yeah, you know what? I think they're going to ham- hammer TCU. And I, no one could have imagined a score like this. I mean, this was – I've just never seen it where the backups are going in and just dominating the line of scrimmage. Still, it looked like morally uh, they were demoralized TCU and you yeah. can tell it on the line in the second half. I listen, I'm glad I've never kind of been in that situation, but I can tell you what the only thing closest and, and, and of course they're very related. My hockey, uh, we are in the hockey championship in Southern California. Yes. We had roller hockey. Um, and in my senior year, in my finals, we got mercyed. And they ended the game early. And I can tell you what, it was one of the worst days ever. And I can, I know like that has nothing to compare to a national championship of college football. Of course. The point is I I feel for these players, man, that's like you work so hard and to put such an ugly product out there, it's really difficult, but you know, still hats off the TCU. They won't feel it today, but to what that program has been through, it's been a real highlight over the last week, but from last year to this year, just such a crazy turnaround. And and it's such an amazing run. I mean, their whole season was incredible. You know, and yeah. it's, it really sucks because this is the sourest of a taste that you can leave in the mouth of, of a team and a program that had a massive come around, right? I mean, year one with Sonny Dykes, you have a fourth year starter who wasn't even going to be the starter going into, you know, the get first game yeah. and earn the job back after the first week of the regular season. And you go on this amazing run and there were so many moments that they they almost lost and they almost fell short and they continue to find ways time after time to win games and you lose the big 12 championship, but it's a Kansas state team that you already beat once this year. Right. So, you know, how much, how much, you know, it was just such a ridiculous run. And yeah. then they capped that off with beating Michigan. 
Yeah. And that's why like Michigan's offensive line and defensive line are not that much different than Georgia, which to me makes it seem like the moment was a little too big. And once the ball started rolling, it just avalanched. Like it was just like, it just got worse and worse and just got a progressively um, more difficult. And uh, you know, you just can't really come back. I mean, Stetson Bennett was on, they had no one to handle the tight ends in that linebacker or safety room for TCU. Uh, and the other thing too, is between McIntosh and some of the other guys that Georgia got back in the skill positions, even though Darnell Washington was injured and Brock Bowers was injured and both those guys were a little banged up in that game. They had so many more skill guys that had missed most of the regular season that people just forgot about. And then yeah. they come back in the national championship and they outclass them the way that they should. Um, but I mean, you know, we can do the, you know, well, they beat, you know, TCU beat Michigan and Michigan beat Ohio State and Ohio State oh, should have beaten Georgia. <laughs> we can do the whole, uh, I forget yeah. what that, what the, what's that principle transitive called? Property. Transitive property. Thank you. Yeah. We can do the whole transitive property thing, but ultimately like you get onto a field and none of that shit matters, right? Just no matter what you do. And Georgia was by far the better team. Um, and I think there's a couple interesting spinoffs to this, right? Like obviously Georgia now back-to-back national champions, they are the team to beat in college football, but this Georgia team was not as good as last year's Georgia team. Uh, the defense wasn't as good. They had scares against Mizzou, Kent State, right? There was a few games this year. Uh, Florida even played pretty big bully ball against them at one point uh, in the second half when, in that game. Um, Georgia still prevailed, and Georgia still ended up being the better team, and having that 26-year-old starting quarterback was a big part of it. But I look around at, at this team and I go, you know, there are going to be people who walk away from this and go, well, we shouldn't have the expanded playoff. Look what happened, right? If this is what happens when a TCU finds their miracle run to the national championship, this is why we shouldn't have an expanded playoff. And I would say, I think this blowout is more of a one-off. I think the fact that TCU got to the national championship and is the reason why we should have it. Uh, I, I think, if anything, the competitive balance in college football this year was as good as it's ever been. I, well, maybe not ever, but at least in the college football playoff era, this the whole season felt competitive. Yeah. It wasn't, oh, well, there's clear teams at the top because Georgia wasn't blowing everyone out like they were the year before. Now, clearly they have more talent and, and yeah. you know, but LSU with Brian Kelly, right? I mean, we're going to have so many more teams that are going to get a chance here that as we get to a 12-team playoff, we're going to get more dramatic games. We're going to get playoff games on campuses. And we're going to get more stories like TCU making a miracle run and potentially getting to the national championship. And just because they got blown out as bad as they did last night, that's not a sign that we shouldn't be expanding the playoff. I agree 100%. Think back to BCS era, right? There were two, the, the um, Ohio State, Florida, and Ohio State, LSU were both just blowouts. Ohio State lost. And that, that was a little tougher because it was like, okay, one of them was should Ohio State play Michigan again in 06 and they were like trying to figure out should they play again for the Natty. Point is, is that uh, they didn't and they got blown out. And what ends up happening here when you look at, um, again, the BCS era was the team in third was always like, man, they could have done it, though, if they weren't in it. It was like, well, maybe they have a better matchup. At what I think if? we're doing that now. Instead, we're saying like, well, if Michigan beat Georgia, well, they didn't. And, well, you know, they didn't have a chance to. OK, but they didn't beat TCU and TCU got blown like. This is the way to handle it, because if this wasn't the case, you'd have a lot of people sitting there saying, man, TCU, like great season. They're, they're on the outside looking in. They almost had a chance. It would have been great to see what they could have done. Right. I'm, I'm that guy. Boise State way back in the day. Man, it would be it would be sick to see what they can do. Then in one bowl game, they get 
you know, I'm going to the Boise State example. They get Oklahoma and they end up winning on the crazy hook and ladder. It's a legendary game with the Boise State upset, the Fiesta Bowl. So what we're seeing here, though, is we're getting these opportunities to play these games. And to your point, this is a much better like feeling. If you go back 20 years, 10 years, even you're sitting there and you're like, what the hell? Like, oh, these two teams are playing. These other ones were good. All right, we'll get some bowl games, and that's nice. Like TCU, 10 years ago, they play in a bowl game. Maybe they get a win. Maybe this is a, a good way to end the season, but there always would be that, man, I wish we would have gotten our shot. Yeah. And now you're giving every team their shot. So no matter how we feel as fans, I can guarantee you as players and coaches, they want to get, be given the shot to actually be in the tournament here. And I, I love it. The home field for, for the, you know, I guess it would be technically what five through eight um, teams is going to be amazing. I think that's great for the sport. I also think that, yeah, like it's football, it's not a serious game. So you can get some, some lower tier teams paying their best game against some, a greater team who doesn't play their best. That's football. That's what we all love. I I think this is a great way that we're going forward. At first I I was hesitant, but um, I have to say the more and more the season broke down, I mean, think about the matchups from five through 12 that we'd see. And then think about like them then having to go and play again, another elite team that's been off on a buy top four still has its advantage, but man, uh, five through eight has an advantage over nine through 12. I just love the setup they're talking about, man. I couldn't be happier. And I think this year was a better example of why we need it rather than why we don't. Yeah. I, I think it proves it right. Because we're, we're, we love to play the results in college football. I'm not saying we, I mean like the collective, we like, that's what we do. We play the results, right? So because TCU blows out or got blown out by Georgia, well, they weren't as good as they thought, or Georgia is the best college football team we've ever seen. And (laughs) fundamentally just, that's just not true. You know, like, yeah, like Georgia, they were, you know what, they lose one game in the last two seasons in the SEC championship to Alabama last year. Right. Um, Yeah. Georgia's awesome. But we also, can't sit here play the results and say well that means that we were wrong and that tcu actually wasn't that good and michigan wasn't actually that good oh and maybe ohio state was a little bit better because look how badly georgia blow up blew out ohio state playing the results is is not what we do think about what the conversations were over the last couple weeks right when we had tcu michigan and then ohio state georgia and then we have those two unbelievable semifinals we all sit here going like Oh, this is this is why we're going to be expanding the playoffs. And then, well, we see the result, and now the conversation is going to completely flip on its head and go. Actually, no, no, no. Actually, this is why we shouldn't do that because there are yeah. people doing that today. There's people I've heard. It's crazy. That. Like that's insane. No, like it, right? Because it's so to your point, so reactionary of the last game. It, it should be about the la- the the first two. Excuse me, the first two games. That's that's what the playoffs going to be. Think about yeah. another four games on top, like or eight games on top of that, we're going to get some quality football late in the year. And, and also here's what I'm thinking, right? Like USC is a great example, man. They, they, you know, Caleb got hurt there and, and was hobbled at the PAC 12 championship. Utah gets them. The Utah Penn state Rose bowl was good. But my point is that I would rather see what USC could do in a playoff scenario because you know, they're more talented and, and yeah, they didn't get a shot, but that team at like a 12 going into a five, like, there are some great teams that don't play their best that I still want to see what they can do, especially when you have a Heisman winner missing on the playoffs. Yeah. Listen, and, and I know this Tulane, is never going like, to happen in that same yeah. bowl game, right? What did Tulane do? Tulane just came and beat USC out of nowhere. Yeah. It's crazy. Green wave, baby. They, I think I, I know this will never happen, 
but it would be sick if it was top 11 and then whoever won the Heisman gets the 12th seat, like <laughs> his team in case it's someone that's not top 10. Usually they will be right. Yeah. Almost always. But just in case, if it's like someone on a team that's like 16, I want them in, baby. I want a Heisman winner guaranteed a that's, spot. It's kind of like the NFL <laughs> thing. Like if you win your division with a losing record and there's a team that finishes second, that they get the home playoff game ahead of the team that won their division. Yeah. <laughs> like like Dallas would get the home playoff yeah. game this week instead of Tampa Bay because they had an actually good record and Tampa Bay had a losing record. Like if you, I, you I can win it. your division and get into the playoffs, but you shouldn't get to host a playoff game. Yeah. Um, because again, that only happens. Well, I mean, not, that happens we, once we wouldn't have years, Beastquake. But... We wouldn't have had Beastquake. So that, that's that, true. That play forever changed my opinion on it. But yeah, I agree. It's, it's true. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I sit on this and I go, the competitive, because again, Georgia struggled at times this year and teams really challenged them. And yes, they looked unbelievable last night. 65 points in a yeah. playoff in, in a national championship game is absurd. Yeah. Obviously, they had more talent than TCU. But that doesn't oh it doesn't always play out that way. And and in fact, I think no. most people going into that game thought it was going to be a closer game than than what it was. I mean, the line kind of stood right there at 14 and a half for most of uh the, the week heading up to it. Um, which means that it was pretty much even money on both sides. There were people who thought, well, Georgia's gonna blow them out, and there's people that thought I think TCU is gonna be competitive in this game. You know, Scotty and I were split on it. I thought Georgia would blow them out. Yeah. I didn't want that to happen. I wanted it to be more competitive, but I thought Georgia was just going to do it. And it gave that feel, right? Two super emotional, amazing semifinals. There's no way that the championship was going to live up to that. Again, didn't think it was going to be 56 points, but it was still enough that you're like, Jesus Christ. Like, that's – I don't know. I, I just – some of the rhetoric I've heard coming out of the game last night when it should be like, Hey, Georgia's a really good team. Let's celebrate them um, is now turning into, well, we shouldn't be expanding the playoff. And, and this is why when it's like, again, literally two days ago, we were all sitting here being like the semifinals are exactly why we need to expand the playoffs uh, because you would yeah. put a Caleb Williams and a USC team in there and you never know what's going to happen. Right. More often than not, is the best team going to prevail? Yes. But that's also the whole point. Same thing in the Super Bowl, right? More often than not, does the best team win the Super Bowl? Yes. Are there years where you have, you know, the nine and seven Giants go on a miracle run and upset yeah. the undefeated Patriots? You bet. And that's what makes the sport so fucking fun. It's so weird. It's so weird the way that college football fans are so possessive of this idea that only the most elite of the elite teams can. No, playoffs are fun. Having more games is fun. Yeah. We need to have fun, right? And if you're, and like, I agree. I love Ryan Drusilla. I talk about him all the time on this podcast, but that's like the one take of his that drives me fucking nuts. And he's like, I don't like the idea that a nine and seven team in the NFL gets a chance to play for the Super Bowl. And I say, why the fuck not? Because when they happen, it's an underdog story. That's exactly why we love sports because it an is. underdog team finds a way to come around and win and do something historic. They made the run. They won it. Like, I think that's awesome. If I agree. And if you don't like that, I'm, I'm dead serious about this because I've had this happen. And I actually think it helps. If you think that way and you really don't like, you know, you want to go back to the BCS era with only two teams, or you want to go back even further, just we vote the best team as a national championship. We don't need to see a game, whatever. I doubt there's a lot of people like that now. Right. But that was at one point how this was handled. And I would, I would recommend that you start looking at, I know it's crazy, the premier league. And if you want something where every game matters the same, there's no playoffs, that's it. The Premier League. And at the end of the year, the team with the most points wins. Um, not points like goals, but like you win, you get three points. Yeah. The most points 
team wins. It doesn't matter when it happens. They can clinch it five weeks beforehand. They won the league. That's it. There's no playoffs. And, and there's something great about that, right? There is something about that in America. That's just not how we focused our sports. And um, it, it's never going to go backwards. I can tell you that we want playoffs more now than ever. And colleges, I think going to 12 will be the last shakeup we'll see in a long time besides the conferences, which is a whole other thing. But I really believe that, um, you know, we're, we're going to see this happen pretty quickly, it sounds like. And I think when it happens, a lot of this hearsay and, and takes about being bad will, will go away. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, all right. So any, I mean, great college football season. It was a really yeah. fun year. I'm sad that it's over. Um, it yeah. always goes by fast. We know that. So, I mean, hell, the NFL regular season's now over. Um, we'll get into some of the Black Monday stuff. Uh, so far, only one additional coach, other than the ones that were fired in season, has been let go. We will get into that, uh, and we will break down some of the stuff from this weekend. Obviously, we're not going to talk too much about the games that didn't really matter, um, but we're more going to kind of talk about some of the teams that are now in the postseason, what their runs are going to look like. Uh, and kind of get everyone set up before our, our Friday pod where we will give our picks and kind of break down each matchup specifically. Uh, but we got lots more to get to, so uh, we'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back on the other side. So the playoffs are set. We're ready to rock and roll. Regular season is over. One of the more fun, entertaining, and um, consistently really random NFL seasons that I can ever remember Um it's going, it's, I, I do genuinely, I think it's one of the most memorable NFL seasons I that agree. I can ever remember um, between like the Minnesota comeback against Indianapolis, obviously in sad ways, like DeMar Hamlin, um, which have turned into more inspirational stories given his health um, and where it stands now. Uh, the comeback from Minnesota against Buffalo. It seems like a lot of these are about uh, <laughs> Minnesota and Buffalo. Um, yeah. I look at the playoff standings right now probably the weakest collection of quarterbacks ever for one side of the bracket. When you look at the NFC, um, yeah. I mean, obviously Tom Brady's in there. So you're like, well, how weak can it be? And it's like, well, it's 46 year old Tom Brady. It's, it's not that he's still not really good. I mean, he's, he's amazing and he could very easily go on a run here, but that team hasn't been very good all year. Dak Prescott's been his worst year. Led, Dude. You know, Dak Prescott led the league in interceptions this year. And he missed, I also, five, missed five games. That's that's honestly insane. He has played because at one point when he came back, it was saying that like, hey, Cowboys, though, with him, highest points per game in the NFL. And I was like, oh, shit, this guy got some good stats then. Then you start diving in. His last couple of weeks have been awful, like yeah. awful, awful. So other than the yeah, Eagles that, game, like which he was on fire, like, yeah, he's yeah, been really bad. And so um, to your point, there's that matchup, the, the Purdy and Geno Smith. Let's just give a moment because no one ever thought that these two quarterbacks would be in the NFL in the NFL playoffs. So to your point, those offset at least two uh, you know elite starters, which I'm not calling Kirk Cousins an elite starter, and I'm not no. calling uh, Daniel Jones. I mean, he's played well and efficient. That's he stopped turning the ball over. So you're right. That quarterback collection of the NFC, dude, is, is wild. Uh, and then you compare that to the AFC, and you're like, man, it's it's Allen and Mahomes and Burrow and Herbert and now Trevor Lawrence. You put in that mix, uh, and then Skylar Thompson. <laughs> who for the Miami Dolphins, which I mean, look, we know how that game's going to go. That's going to be a rough one. Um, and, and we'll get into the preview and stuff. Uh, but to wrap up the, the regular season, it was just a very bizarre season, right? It was, it felt like you had Philly, Kansas city, Buffalo, and then 
you had that late surge from the Bengals, and then everything yeah. else kind of fell up in the air, right? Because when Dak first came back, like, because people would say, well, what about the Cowboys? Well, when Dak first came back, he didn't look great. They won, what, four games with Cooper Rush, um, which is pretty astounding yeah. in and of itself. Um, and he hasn't been great this year, right? He's had moments where he's looked really good. But for the most part, he's been kind of middle of the road to good. Uh, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I still think when he's on, he's a top 10 quarterback. I, I do think Dak Prescott's that good, but we just haven't seen a whole lot of that. Uh, we've had this bizarre Minnesota team. Minnesota finishes the regular season minus 19 point differential, and they won 13 games. Think about how crazy Jesus. it is. Minus 19 point differential, and yet they won 13 games this season. That is insane. And they beat. You'll never. I don't think you'll ever see that again. No. Ever. And and they beat Chicago by 16 points in the and to close out the regular season still too. So that was what 35. They were they were minus 35 going into week 18, and they were you know had only lost four games all season, which is insane. Um, it was all one score games. So you had the Texans because of the tie in week one, and then somehow winning a game at the last second with Davis Mills chucking up the ball in fourth and 20, loses the number one overall pick to the Chicago Bears in a game that they shouldn't have even been in. But at the same time, it's because they definitely told Lovey Smith before the game, you're getting, this is going to be your last game. And he said, oh, is it? Fuck you then. We're going to win this game and fuck you out of the first overall pick, which I loved. Um, that was amazing. We had the Jets kind of turn around a little bit, and then they fell off. We had the bizarre NFC South. We had the whole Deshaun Watson situation and, and Joe Jacoby yeah. Brissett in Cleveland and their weird season. Mike Tomlin taking that terrible Steelers team and somehow turning them around to continue his streak of finishing above 500, which still doesn't make any sense. The collapse of, and I'm sorry, Vito, Russell Wilson and one of the worst uh, one of the biggest disappointments I could say based off of an off season trade yeah. and probably the worst title defense in the history of the NFL when the Los Angeles Rams, like though this whole season has been so bizarre. And of course it ending on Sunday night with the Detroit lions with ending with a regular season uh, or with a, with an above 500 record at the end of the regular season and the number and so damn close. If the Seahawks found a way to lose that game, to where we would have had the number one and number two overall picks from this past year, the teams with those picks make the playoffs the following year. So it's just been bizarre. Absolutely crazy. And I think where you ended it there is, is really the sum up of the season. I think the lions for everybody, because they were on hard knocks coming in this year, like, man, I'd really love to see them improve. And they did not start off hot by any means. They're like, Oh, another lions year is Dan Campbell going to get fired. That's a bummer. Cause we all liked them. And then of course they, they have this streak. And at the end, they keep the Packers out. I'll tell you what, uh, I'm just uh, I'm really excited about what this says for NFL parody. The level of quarterback play, even from guys like Geno Smith, again, has been pretty yeah, great. The revival of Geno Gino Smith. Yeah, he didn't write back. Uh, one no, of the did. best lines, dude. Uh, and, and just seeing the Jaguars, same deal. Turn it on when they had a pretty big losing record after London. Just turn it on and, and go on the streak. It's amazing. Um, a lot of new blood in the NFL. You know, of the old, I would say old quarterbacks, it's really Rodgers and Brady and the rest of the guys are of the next tier. So, um, you know, it's crazy that that uh, Rodgers isn't in the playoffs. I saw a stat that like of the quarterbacks who had won two playoff games since 2017. It's like Aaron Rodgers, Blake Bortles, 
Like there, there's some names that you're like, no way. Right. Like yeah. he really hasn't had success in, in the postseason in a long time. And you know, that that's gotta be difficult for him, especially as he's getting later in his career. But um, it's, it's a fortunate thing for the rest of the league to see some young quarterbacks given the chance and really take off. I, I don't know. I'm really excited about the future of the NFL. I'm excited about this year's playoffs. Um, I think that we're in for a crazy wild card weekend, but uh so, so this, this, if it's anything like the regular season, your point, it's been crazy. Um, you know, it's always different when you have the second 17 week season because of the fact that 17 game season, I should say that um, all these records, right. Records will start being broken for a while now for the next 10 years, just because you have an extra game. Yeah. But what we saw out of Justin Jefferson and some of these individual players, Justin Fields coming on for a team that now is a number one pick, but clearly they have the quarterback figured out like, you know, it's kind of like what Trevor Lawrence had last year coming into this year. So, um, you know, hopefully that franchise can figure some shit out and, and get him some support because there are stars all around this league on good teams and on bad. Yeah. I, I mean, Jacksonville is another one I left out too. I mean, Trevor Lawrence coming around the job Doug Peterson's done with that organization. Uh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, to go from the number one overall pick to winning your division uh, is a turnaround that's crazy the the titans losing seven straight games yeah. to close out the regular season um it, it's just it's been bizarre and yet we still look at the top of the leaderboard at least in the afc and it's the same suspects as last year right so for all that craziness it's still the chiefs it's still the bills it's still the Bengals, right and mm-hmm. then in the nfc jalen hurts like yeah like in any other season, Jalen Hurts is like one of the first things we mentioned there, and we didn't even bring it up. Like Jalen Hurts <laughs> was a question mark coming into this year, right? It was yeah. if Jalen can improve, you know, a little bit with this new roster, the Eagles will be competitive. Jalen Hurts became the best player on the entire damn team, and it is in, in my opinion, still the MVP. He's probably not yeah. going to win it, but he should. I mean, we saw what happened to the Eagles. He went fourteen and one, yeah. right? Um, there was a stat that, you know, Jalen Hurts led the NFL in quarterback wins uh, f- or win-loss record of 14-1 and one, and then also in touchdown-to-interception ratio. And it's happened like nine times in the NFL ever. And each each one either went on – each quarterback that did that either won the MVP or won the Super Bowl. And that goes like all the way back to uh, like, I forget who Joe, Mon- before Joe Montana, even, but Joe Montana yeah. was on the list. So, I mean, we're talking about like a historic run quarterbacks to have won 14 games or go 14 out of 15 games played. That list is Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Jalen hurts, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's crazy. Some of the stats that he's been put yeah. that he did. And, and obviously this, this yeah. roster is really good. And with everything that's happened, the injury late in the season, some of the other banged up parts of you would see this field and think, man, the Eagles should cakewalk through the rest of this, you know, this playoffs and find themselves in the Super Bowl. And I can confidently say, not just as a Philadelphia pessimist, as a just objective football fan, I'm not hundred percent sure on that. I do think they should be the favorites. The road runs through Philadelphia, which is going to make it even more difficult. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, San Francisco is really good. What is Brock Purdy going to do in the <laughs> NFC championship game in Philadelphia in games where Kyle Shanahan has historically struggled as a head coach? I, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm so excited for this playoff run. However, I do disagree in that. I don't think the wild card weekend is going to be that wild. I think 
though I think in the NFC it has a chance. I, Cincinnati's going to beat Baltimore. I, if Lamar plays, which he hasn't played in over a month, uh, and he still has swelling in his knee and still hasn't practiced in six weeks. Um, so if Lamar plays, maybe there's a chance, but I still don't think there is. Uh, Jacksonville and the Chargers, that's a fun game. I still don't yeah. know what the hell Brendan Staley was thinking. Um you know, playing his starters for the full game in a completely meaningless game because they knew by the time they that lost. they kicked off. Yeah, they knew by the time they kicked off that they got the five seed regardless. So I understand if they did like what Tampa Bay what did or what Minnesota did, but it's like, hey, let's play half of our starter, you know, play starters for a half and then pull everybody, right? Or even the Giants where it's like, hey, we're going to rest Daniel Jones and Saquon, but we're going to play starters on defense, right? It was like select starters they didn't play. But for the most part, like the offensive line for the Giants started, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, I could see the Giants upsetting Minnesota. I think that's mm-hmm. realistic. But the AFC, I think, is going to be pretty straightforward. I mean, Buffalo is going to destroy Miami. Cincinnati's going to beat Baltimore. And then whatever happens with Jacksonville and the Chargers, I think that one can go either way. I agree with you there. I mean, you know, and I think to look back at this week's games to, to kind of, to your point, the impact on next week, like the chargers thing, if you're going to play your starters, I don't even mind playing on the whole game. Um, but if you play in the whole game and you lose to the Broncos, I got to say, that's not a good look. That's not a good look at all. Um, you'd rather have your guys pull. Uh, it, it's almost demoralizing. Like, Hey, we couldn't beat the Broncos, but now we got to go to the playoffs. I yeah. don't know. There's well, something and about you that. got Mike Williams got banged up. Right. And yeah. who was who was the other player that got hurt from them? I didn't see him. I, I just there was saw him. one other there was there was Dang. one other crucial star. I think Joey Bosa also got banged up. Man, and he's already been banged up this year, so that's not good. Um, but no, I think I think you're right. I think like you know that's the main piece out of this week. And then the the other thing that uh, you know the Giants played decent. I mean, they got a late score there, but the Eagles really kind of had them on the throat a little bit there. And and KC. Um, taking care of business. Now, listen, I think the top of each league is great to your point. Like I think the NFC, even the top tier teams there are going to do well, but like the 49ers, everyone obviously says are, you know, going to go have a great playoff run here. Cause they're such a good team. The craziest thing is, is that like Purdy's playing well, but they don't even need him to play well. I mean, they won 38 to 13 against the Cardinals. Yes. The Cardinals have some issues of their own to say the least. Um, their coach is now gone, but to beat an NFL team like that going in the playoffs feels a lot better, even if they're the Cardinals. Like that's what the Chargers should have done to the Broncos. Is kind of my point. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how this week has an impact, at least on the like mentality of these teams going into the next week. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, it was Mike Williams and Kenneth Murray was the other one who got banged up for the oh, Chargers. Okay. Either way, uh, a starter and becoming a pretty crucial starter on the defense there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we can run through some of these games from this weekend. I mean, the Jags, I think that was one of the, one of the best stories uh, of the season, yeah. what Doug Peterson's done. Um, look, they didn't look great, but also games yeah. on the line. The Titans have a chance to make the playoffs. I didn't expect anything less from Mike Vrabel led team. Like I, I expected this to happen. Um, how bad must Malik Willis be? Where they they pull Josh Dude. Dobbs off of the off of the Detroit Lions practice squad like a month ago, and and start him the last two weeks. I mean that's that's not a good sign for Malik Willis. No. I can't imagine Tannehill is going to be coming back as a starter. I think Tennessee is going to be in a really weird place next year. And they they let go. I think they fired four assistants, including their offensive coordinator. 
um, which makes sense. I think that's probably about right. Uh, they, that offense has not looked nearly as uh, efficient since Arthur Smith left to go be the head coach of the Falcons. Like when, when Arthur Smith left, left, that was a big hole and they have yeah. not quite been able to kind of fill it up again. Um, and look, you're only going to get a year, maybe two left of Derrick Henry being Derrick Henry. You know, I mean, he's a physical freak. I would expect him to be in his prime longer than most. And he stayed healthy for the most part, but um, bad year for Tennessee, but ultimately the Jags had an opportunity in front of them and they got hot at the right time. And Trevor Lawrence has become one of these young stud quarterbacks making truly elite level throws week in and week out. He's looked great. If you watch him throw the ball, the velocities there, he almost needs to tone it down. And, and the, the big win was on defense. I mean, I could not believe defensively how they were swarming after, um, you know, Josh and they were going in at him. And the other thing about it was again, that the winning play was the actual, uh, you know, strip sack where the ball goes flying forward and then they scoop it up and score. I mean, the defense netted what nine points they gave up technically to score seven themselves. I mean, they, they're killing it, which I think is, is a big key. They really shut down Derrick Henry, which was wild. I think to your point, we've seen some teams key in eight, nine, in the box and, and uh, the defensive tackles played well for the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I'm excited to see. And then the return game, they have Agnew, and he had a couple big returns when they needed him. Listen, this is a complete team, and Doug Peterson's an experienced coach. He's won a Super Bowl. There's not that many out there. So, uh, you know, look out. Yeah, I know. I, I love this Jacksonville team, and I think that's the game I'm most excited about, uh, which I was really glad to see that it was going to be the Saturday night game because it, it should be. I mean, yeah. my prediction last week was this has, like, Saturday afternoon game written all over it. And, uh, and then ultimately, I, and I still believe, I think if Pittsburgh gets in ahead of, instead of Miami, then I think that that game ends up being the Saturday night game. And, and this game, Jacksonville and Chargers gets bumped Maybe. to the one o'clock game. But, you know, because Pittsburgh's such a big fan base and, and that yeah. team, honestly, has been playing really good football. I think I would have, I, I think everyone collectively would have rather seen that, just like everyone would have rather seen the Lions in over the Seahawks. Uh, yeah. which we can get to in a little bit, but this Jag season has been really fun. Doug Peterson's done a hell of a job. Like unbelievable. Thinking about where this team was a year ago. <laughs> and I remember, right. Like saying it was probably no November of last year, go hire Doug Peterson, Jacksonville. Don't overcomplicate yeah. this. Go get the, the coach equivalent of Tums for your organization to settle everything <laughs> down, calm the stomach down, Let's go out and let's let's go play some ball, right? And get somebody in Trevor Lawrence's ear that can really help him flourish. And he's been awesome this year. Uh, and, and what's crazy is, you know, they they looked good and then they looked kind of shitty. And it's like up oh, same old Jags. And then they've just been on this tear ever since. And uh, I love this Jacksonville team. I'm definitely going to be rooting for them. Uh, but I also love this Chargers team, where again, opposite sides of the spectrum, like. I think Brandon Staley has been brilliant. And I also think Brandon Staley has been really dumb. And yeah. there is a case to be made in like some of the longer term analytics of playing your starters in week 18 or week 17, um, you know, depending on the year, obviously bear out that it's typically not much of a risk. Right. You know, and oftentimes it actually helps your players. Right. Cause they can kind of stay in a rhythm a little bit. Um, and that's the kind of stuff with Brandon Staley, where he's so ride or die with the what the analytics tell them that at the end of the day, man, like you got to keep your quarterback healthy. 
You got to keep your wide receivers healthy. Like the fact that the Eagles put themselves in a position where they had to play their starters in week 18 pissed me off as a fan because I didn't want to have to see Jalen Hurts, especially the fact that he's been banged up. And and if you're a Chargers fan, you wouldn't have wanted to have to see Mike Williams out there. And the thing is, they didn't have to be out there because this Mm -hmm. offense looks completely different based off of whether or not Mike Williams is in that lineup or not. Uh, And the fact that he is expected to play but now has a back contusion is not a great sign because now you're getting one of your more important players who is constantly injured going into a major playoff game injured when you have potentially one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the NFL and Justin Herbert. I totally agree. I think like at some point, especially with guys like that who are injury prone, who literally have missed like half the season with multiple injuries. Those are the people you sit, man. I just can't believe they start again, again, and they lost like, I, I just, it's gotta be so that's like the worst case scenario. You play your starters and you get your ass kicked by a team who sucks. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, Broncos aren't good. So it's wild. Well, they've and looked on the better side, at least they've looked they better have. without Hackett. Uh, they have. And I'm glad about that. I think on the flip side, one thing to note, Tennessee looking in the rear view, dude, trading AJ Brown for a first round pick and getting Traylon Burks is so fucking stupid. Like you have to be kicking yourself right now. So hard. AJ Brown setting the Eagles single season record. No, we'll get to that. But like those two will forever be linked because it's a straight trade almost. Yeah. And they fucked up big time. It's unbelievable to, to not spend. And it's not surprising that the GM got fired after the Eagles blew him out. And AJ Brown had what three touchdowns, two touchdowns in that (laughs) game. And like went off. Like did they fire the GM? Yeah. Oh, The next day. After the Eagles beat them, yeah, he got fired. Um, which again makes total sense. Like, that's yeah, like because you saw it right in front of you. Like, holy shit, we gave this guy away, an absolute game wrecker, gave him away. And Traylon Burks could be really good. Like, he's a he's a nice player. I was he was my favorite wide receiver, one of my favorite wide receivers coming out of the draft last year. His size, his speed, athleticism, and there's been flashes where he could look really good, but you know, now we're looking at Tom Brady's gonna be a free agent. Tennessee was one of those places that was always rumored around him, right? Who the hell is – why would Tom Brady go to Tennessee right now? Right? Yeah, After it's, this it's season. It's not a good fit. No. And if you're Tom Brady, you're like, I'm going back because I want to make money. Right? Or not – he's – sorry, he's not going back because he wants to make money. He's going back because well, he wants to win a championship. After the FTX fell apart, we don't know. But either well, that's way. That's true. That's true. Maybe. <laughs> but you're to your point. End of, end divorce. Win. And, yeah, you know, you know it's, divorce is expensive. <laughs> Um, he, yeah, he's going to win somewhere that he has a chance to win. And that's not going to be in Tennessee based off the way that this current roster is constructed. Uh, and, and there's no way in hell you're getting Tom Brady there. So, um, it's a great, it's a great point. Uh, chiefs put away the Raiders on Saturday night. Uh, look, it feels weird criticizing anything. I mean, there's people, there are bills fans and Chiefs fans and everyone all up in arms about the way that the NFL handled the, you know, the no contest, um, and, and kind of how yeah. and it's to me, it's I like, mean, look, this is an impossible situation, right? There's, there's no great way to handle this. Chiefs fans were the ones I saw most upset out of anybody. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you guys are getting the one seed because of this. And also why are you getting upset given the context? And it wasn't just about tomorrow Hamlin. It was, Oh, well, the Buffalo bills got to play, you know, uh, in, in a dome instead of having to have their game canceled because of the snow and like all this shit. And I'm like, fuck are you talking about, man? Like, None of this has anything to do. Like, the, the NFL's no, not 
was put in an impossible situation. And I thought came up with a really solid answer and, and way to try to figure it out. The coin flip thing never needed to actually happen because Cincinnati did their business, beat Baltimore, secured the AFC North as we expected that they would. And so that didn't become a, a, a possibility, but there had to be something in place in case it did, you yeah. know, and the same thing now where it's like, yeah, there's probably going to be an AFC AFC championship game at a neutral field. And you know what? If Kansas City's upset about that, you should have beaten Baltimore when you are Buffalo earlier in the season when you played each other because the, you would have had the one seed. But the fact matter is Buffalo earned that one seed and the Chiefs lost to the Bengals and the Bills this year. And if they had taken care of one of those two games, none of this would have been a conversation to begin with. I agree. I think this is a pretty damn good solution for everything involved. I think people need to listen. Is it not exactly what you wanted? No shit. Cause you're a team. Like if you were opposed this and you are not a chiefs fan or a, a fan involved, then like, I would hear your point out, but every single thing so far has been like, well, here's the rule that technically is there, but it also says commissioner has authority to do whatever they want. So yeah, guess what? The commissioner's stepping in to do something because we need to make this right. I honestly think that number one, it's a great solution in terms of having just a neutral field. If you're going to get some of these teams, the fun part's going to be, where would it be? That's a conversation that everyone's now starting to have. Like uh, instantly, I don't know if you heard this, Mark Davis was like, Las Vegas will have it, a bunch of hotels. We, we'd love to have everybody out here. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, no shit, you would. But, uh, you know, an extra whole seat, like an extra whole uh, game of, of tickets is not bad, especially an AFC championship game. Um, Vegas would be cool, but you know, a lot, it was funny because if people were, I, I did hear it once uh, online was well, it's between Kansas City and Buffalo, halfway in between is about Cincinnati. It was like, dude, you can't have all the Bengals fans because they lost the game, right? They, yeah. they missed a game because of the injury, but it would just be so wild if in January you have, you know, basically like Cincinnati fans there being like, oh, we're watching the Bills and the Chiefs. This is fun. Like, fuck yeah. this. You know what I mean? Like, they're yeah. going to be disappointed. So Indy's been thrown out because that's a conference city. You got hotels in a dome. I don't know. But all those teams do play outside. Just want to note that. So if this game gets moved to inside, um, I don't think it really matters. Both people playing in the same same area. But it would be fun if this was moved to somewhere where there'd still be some goddamn snow. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that's the thing, too. It's I would be shocked if the NFL moved it to an outdoor stadium. I mean, because, like, you could still make it like Heinz Field is a little closer in the middle. You know, it's about as close to – it's right next to Cleveland. So it's like, you know, it's about a 30-minute yeah. drive from Cleveland or an hour drive. It's like um, two, it would probably be a couple hours from Buffalo and then like six from Kansas City. Eight you know, but they'd be yeah. flying in. So it's not like we're talking about crazy, you know, it, I don't know how they're going to end up figuring that out. I do think we ultimately get to that point. The only way it wouldn't have would be um, the only way that happens is if it's chiefs bills, which I think there's a very high likelihood that that happens. Um, both these teams do play outdoors. Indianapolis already said that they will not be hosting it. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, because they're having stadium renovations done as soon as the season ended. That was like one of the things. So Ursa already came out and said that they wouldn't be hosting it. But I don't know, man. Like if you're complaining about this shit, like this goes back to the stuff we were talking about last week with the DeMar Hamlin thing, which is like, we can't let it this quickly, like the football obsession that we all have overtake. Like it, it was a week ago. Like we can't forget like what happened a week ago already. Like, that was so severe. Whatever outcome they came up with, which again, I think they came up with a pretty fair solution. Yeah. We accept. And and you roll with the punches. Like, and if you're Kansas City, yes, playing in that environment's tough. If you're in Buffalo, yes, playing in that environment's tough. But a neutral field, both those teams are, are evenly matched. 
Buffalo already went into Kansas City and won this year. So, like, how much are you going to say? It's like, oh, well, we would definitely win if we play this at home. Bullshit. They beat you already this year. So what are we talking about? That's the thing. Exactly. Take care of business. Like, if both these teams were undefeated and one was, like, 16-0 and 15-0, okay, let's have a completely different conversation. But you had the opportunity. You had control of your destiny. And you you didn't win. Listen, if you win out and you beat all these other teams in the playoffs – then you're going to get the number one seed. And guess what? You lost, to your point, to multiple teams in the playoffs, and now you're going to have to deal with the consequences, whether that be they get home field, whether it be it's neutral site, whether it be anything else. Listen, at the end of the day, if your team's in it, stop bitching, okay? A lot yeah. of us would love to be there. So yeah. I don't want to hear from these fans. <laughs> and, like, again, it's it's football. Like, I love football as much as anybody, but, like, don't be the scumbag, all right? Don't be the scumbag that a week removed after everything that happened and the NFL was put in this impossible situation and they actually came up with a good solution. Be the guy that goes, oh, don't ever tell me that the Chiefs don't get screwed over again because now we might have to play on a neutral field for the AFC Championship game. Motherfucker, that favors you. You got Patrick Mahomes. Shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. you have it as good as anybody in all of sports. If I could have one athlete on any of my teams in all of sports, I would take Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he is yeah. that good. Like, and, and I don't understand why, to your point, like I've seen some people get upset, especially I think I think it's mostly fans who are like, fuck, I would have loved to have had home field. And I get that. Um, sure. But but on the flip side, to your point, don't be that guy. You don't you're not coming across well. And you also just look like you're complaining about being a number one seed for two weeks instead of three. Yeah. Listen, when you- just fucking deal with it. You get the buy. So shut up. The yeah, buy is really more important than a home game. Well, I mean, Buffalo has to play Miami. So, I mean, I guess that's the same thing well, as yeah, a buy, basically. But, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like exactly. the week of rest, like everything else that goes into it, like you got the one seed, even though you didn't do the thing that you needed to do to earn it, and you got the buy because of it, like shut up. Man. And yeah. fans, I mean, that's the thing. Fans are always going to be shitheads like that. Um, let's talk about Tampa Bay. Uh, they played their starters for a first half and then backups, and they end up losing that game to the Falcons. Also love that the the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Saints all finished at 7 and 10. Jesus. And they with all the won, Buc- right? Yeah, with the Buccaneers. Uh, well, no, because uh, Carolina beat the Saints in Week 18. Oh, I'm sorry. There you um, go, yeah. But with the, uh, the, the Bucs winning the division with one more win than the rest of them at 8 and 9. What a weird fucking division. Um, however... I'm going to tell you now, and we'll get into it on Friday's pod more often we give our picks and stuff. Watch out for Tampa Bay. Because they they got Tristan Wirfs back. They're going to get Ryan Jensen back, who's missed the entire season, who is a massive part of that offensive line. Uh, They've been able to throw the ball more. Mike Evans got a little banged up in that game against the Falcons, but they sat him for the rest of the game more out of precaution than genuine concern. The defense is getting healthier and playing better. Uh, I I really believe – that the Bucks might end up – I think they're going to beat Dallas. And, again, we'll get into that. Um, but I think that Tampa Bay is going to be a threat in this playoffs because it's Tom Brady. They have guys who can – you know, Chris, Chris Godwin coming off the ACL tear in like nine months and having 100 catches is one of the most under-talked about impressive things we've seen this season. And I know he's had some bad drops, and that team as a whole has been somewhat disappointing. But yeah. 100 catches is, is impressive <laughs> as hell. I mean, there's yeah. never been a hundred catch wide receiver in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. Like there's all, and that's, that's one of several teams uh, that right. fall under that. And for Chris Godwin to do that is impressive, but it, look, it's Tom Brady. It's a good defensive team. That's getting better. 
and a team that's getting healthier along the offensive line when all year they've been playing with the most makeshift offensive line I've ever seen in the NFL. It, it's been bad. And I think to your point, the defense is getting better. What's been different about this year is like, at least in the last couple of games, they haven't been able to attack the quarterback as much as you need to do in the playoffs. So to your point, are these guys that are veterans, because now you got some vets on the defense that are six, seven years in on the outside, especially the backup position. I want to see them get in and rush, man. I want to see what they do to Dallas because it's going to be a completely different game. And then how does, if you had, right. I think we can all say that if he's not the best, Michael Parsons is one of the biggest disruptions on a defensive side of the field. And again, we'll get into it more, but man, if you were to match anybody up against him, I'd rather have Tom Brady calling out exactly what's going to happen and, and setting that offense. And if you get your center back, you're going to communicate that protection with Ryan Jensen, man, they're, they're, they're going to look good. And I think this is, again, again they, they sat their players, um, you know, about halfway through Falcons good for you for winning, but you've got a long way to go. And it's crazy to say that because you're right. They're, they're one game behind like the Panthers after their, Shit storm of a season i'll just say it it's a fact that they won and, and beat the saints in the last week after finding their coach in the single digit week whatever that was yeah uh incredible like it, it's just wild to see their turnaround they trade away McCaffrey, who's obviously elite um so like to me bucks yeah you're gonna have your run but looking forward like the panthers are a weird team saints are routine they got some talent but like this that division is fucking it's weird. A toss up. Yeah. It's all over the place. Uh, Atlanta. I mean, Desmond Ritter looked pretty good in this game. Uh, again, he was mm-hmm. playing against some backups. I think a lot of the defensive starters ended up finishing out the game for Tampa Bay. Uh, but he looked pretty good in this game and he's looked progressively better each week. So you at least go into camp next year with giving him a shot. Uh, but Atlanta is also going to be up there and, and be in a position. Maybe one of those guys trades up and goes after a CJ Stroud or, you know, Bryce Young or somebody, if it depends, you know, Chicago is probably going to end up, I mean, we'll get into it, but Chicago could very well trade that first overall pick to the highest bidder and get a fortune in there since they feel confident with their quarterback. Um, The Cowboys, as you said there, if you look at the games where they really struggled this year, they were all on grass, right? They, they lost the opener against Tampa Bay at home, right? So, you know, that one doesn't count, but at Green Bay on grass, they lost that game 40, what was it, uh, 31 to 28. At Jacksonville, on grass. Uh, at Philadelphia earlier in the season, on grass. At Washington this past weekend, on grass. The game against t- Tennessee where they looked like shit in the first half, on grass. Uh, and the games where they really blew teams out were games that they were playing on uh, either at home, on turf, or somewhere else on turf, which with the speed of their pass rushers makes a lot of sense. Uh, and with the running game and the speed of guys like CD lamb makes a lot of sense. So this game being in Tampa Bay is a big deal. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and again, you're going up against the goat and I agree with you getting the ball out fast. Like that's going to be a really interesting game. And I think it's going to be a tough one for, uh, for them to pull off, but the bucks, I'm just saying it now. And I know I'm not alone in this, but I mean, it's Tom Brady in the playoffs, you know, like I weirdly enough, I think I would rather see Dallas in Philly, then see Tampa Bay. Wow. And it's only That's because tough. it's only Tom because Brady. of Tom Brady. And you I know, you know, and you know he's holding on to to you know some revenge to get back oh, in the yeah. Eagle after Eagles after 2017. And he would love to knock the Eagles out. And they he did it last year, right? First round of the wild card game last year. They blew the Eagles out. So 
You know Tom Brady would love another shot at that. Um, Highlight of the weekend and arguably highlight of the season started as Red Zone was kicking off and as the New England Patriots were kicking off to the Buffalo Bills. First play that the Bills played after DeMar Hamlin, kick return for a touchdown by Naheem Hines, only to then be followed up by a second kick return for a touchdown by Naheem Hines in a league where I think there was like five total kick returns for a touchdown all season going into this game. And we had two in this. I mean, that was like, that was the, this is why we love sports moment, right? That was the, holy shit. What did I just see? I was in the car driving back from Philly and I had red zone up listening to it and just kept saying to my girlfriend over and over. I was just, wow. Like, did that just, wow. Like, did did, chills up my, up my arms. Like it was such a uniquely special moment. Um, and it's not significant in the conversation, but Tony Romo, please learn to shut the fuck up because he completely ruined that call. Jim Nance made a great call. And as a good, as a good column color commentator in big moments like that, you let the play-by-play guy call it, especially someone like Jim Nance, call it and you lay out and you just let the scene carry. And I get it overly emotional week. Everyone was freaking out, but yeah, come on, Tony. Get put you you talk too much as it is on a broadcast yeah that's not a time for you to be sharing your two cents no offense i agree um one of the best calls ever was when the saints had the kicker or the blocked punt for a touchdown after katrina mike Tirico said touchdown new orleans and just was silent right yeah one of the best calls um but to your point this was special if you didn't feel something you don't have a pulse i'll tell you that right now you if you're watching this and know anything you felt something um you, you definitely it was in the chest, it was in the heart. You, you were high in a way that you – it's just unique. You don't have these moments come off, up often in your life. Uh, if you were watching that, like, I felt something for sure, and I was like, fuck, man, like, that was that was incredible. That was special. Um, and then he gave uh, the ball uh, over to Denny Killington, which is the guy who administered CPR. Well, that was um, John John Brown's touchdown later in the game. Yeah, yeah. the second – yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it was John – I'm sorry, that was the John Brown one, yeah. Um, but – you know, it's just the recognition of the fact that, like, we always think of football players, and there's others, oh, coaches, and there's staff, and there's these guys. Like, now, uh, examples of this is like they're all really a team. And yeah, there's players that represent everybody, but um, there's a lot that goes into it. And a lot of those guys wouldn't be out there if it wasn't for the trainers just working on them week to week and, yeah. and getting, getting treatment done, let alone saving their teammates' fucking life, which is incredible. And then to have a moment like that where every Bills fan, you know, who went through, I'm sure, a crazy week of emotions and, and obviously um, it's looking good now, which is great. But just to go through that and then to see something like this is the first thing you see. This wasn't like, oh, the Bills first kick return. Whatever. This was the first play in the damn game, man. It was crazy. That, <laughs> and you saw all the memes come up about like, oh, NFL script writers nailed this one and like all that stuff. It was just so funny because the point is, is like it's so magical. It's easier to think it's made up and written than it is to think it's real which I think just shows how magical it really was. And that's the crazy thing about sports is it does feel like we have moments like that all the time, not all the time, but like consistently enough that it becomes a running joke. That'd be like, you know, if you went to Netflix with this script, they'd punch you in the face and tell you to get the fuck out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, cause it's (laughs) so unrealistic. Like Hollywood would never make that kind of script because it's too unrealistic. Like it, it really did feel that way. Like you're just sitting there being like, I can't, I can't believe that just happened like that. It was so, uh, and and then they did the the tribute to him before the game 
um, and the, the national anthem and everything. And then boom, kick off touchdown. Like I, I can't even imagine the experience of being in the stands that week and what that, that, that game and what that would have felt like. One, one note for the entire NFL. I really did like, it, it was weird. So when they first games were coming on, it was started on Saturday, I think with the chiefs and Raiders and then Jags and everyone else on Sunday, they were like, all right, we're going to take a moment now. And I was like, I hope they don't do a moment of silence. That's kind of morbid. And then they did like, all right, everybody cheer for DeMar. And I was like, fuck yeah, NFL. Yeah. We didn't get this right too. Like there's so many things here. We were like, oh shit, what are they going to do? And they nail it. Like, yeah. say what you want about Goodell and all this stuff about whatever else you want to say. But when something big like this comes up, I feel like the NFL did an incredible job there. And I thought they would have. So you can hate on them. And I'm just going to tell you what, I, I'm not going to. I think they crushed this. I don't care about coin flip i don't care about anything else they no. i think they did an amazing job um league-wide all teams this isn't just uh the responders this isn't just goodell in the front office this is like every nfl team i feel like did a good job here so props, props to the nfl that's what i said last week i i said like i, I thought the nfl because my issues with the nfl are not in moments like this they normally knock that yeah. shit out of the ballpark and i thought that they handled everything last week and this week really really well my issues are always it's the shit that we don't see in the public eye that they, that tends to get scummy. And that's when I was getting into like, you know, the vested players only getting five years of health coverage. And if you're not a vested player, you don't get any health coverage after you leave the NFL. It's that kind of shit that, you know, they're fighting for in the CBA that the players union, you know, that's the stuff that we don't see and that, that not every casual fan sees that the NFL turns into really scummy, you know, people, this stuff, they do an amazing job with, and I agree. I thought they did a phenomenal job uh, and the whole NFL community coming together and the bills win this game. It got a little tight mm-hmm. at certain points, but um, obviously it was tied 14 all at halftime. The bills come out and, and Josh Allen throws that sick touchdown to John Brown. Um, I was happy that the bills were able to pull it off, win a huge game. And now they're going to go on what hopefully will be a, a magical run. You know, I needed, I need to get my bills hat washed up. Um, from my, from my, my hat swap. From, oh, that's uh, right. The hat yeah. swap. Yeah. I got I got to make sure we got that nice and cleaned up. Now, if it's Eagles bills in the super bowl, um, that's going to be, that's going to be a lot of conflicting feelings for, for me. Um, but if I tell you oh. this, if, if we lose to anybody and we're in a super bowl, I hope it's the Buffalo bills. Uh, all right. Uh, let's talk a little bit. Let's just kind of move through some of these games. Uh, Vikings mm-hmm. bears, uh, Vikings, Look, they, they dominated the first half, then they bench Cousins, and they bring in Nick Mullins, and they hold on. They win the game. They covered, which we'll take. Um, the Bears end up with the number one overall pick because of the Houston and Indianapolis game. So the Bears are now on the clock. And the Minnesota Vikings, we said it, right? Minus 19-point differential, 13-4 and four somehow. Uh, and now we're looking at them. I mean – they could lose in the first round to the Giants, and I wouldn't be shocked. They could also find their way in the NFC Championship game, and I still wouldn't be shocked. Like, it's it's such a bizarre, weird year uh, for this Vikings team that anything could happen, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say Kirk Cousins is lucky that he's one of the 430 games and not 850. There's three 815 games, two 430, and one 1 o'clock. So he, he's somewhere in between there because we know he hates – he can't play at night. Um, but – Listen, I, I agree with you. I think the Vikings took care of this. The crazy thing about this game to me is, is without a doubt, like what happened with the Bears? I saw afterwards there, all their fans were watching the other game. Um, they pulled it up and, and they got to see, uh, you know, they got to see um, uh, Davis Mills. 
Thank you. They got to see the Davis Mills play and then they got to see him take care of business. So they got to be in the stadium and see their team get the one seed, which is awesome. Um, you know, and I also think that uh, the Vikings, listen, they've been so hit or miss. Um, I still have week two, which is so long ago, burned in my brain about Eagles and Vikings. And I think if they have a rematch, Vikings are going to remember that too. And there was definitely some, uh, it was right when the Eagles were, I mean, they were on an absolute terror, right? And that was, there was some confidence out there. There was a lot of shit talking and I, I'm just, I hope you guys don't have to see them because I, unless it's at night. Bring but it on. I, I would love to see them. Uh, what's crazy here is in every single win that they've had this year, it was a one score win other than week one and week 18. Week one, the Vikings beat Green Bay 23 to seven, and then they won 29 to 13. Every single other game was a one possession game. Their losses 24 to seven to Philly, 40 to three against Dallas, 34 to 23 against Detroit, and then 41 to 17 against the Green Bay Packers. Um, when they lose, they get their they get shit pumped, right? They get their shit shoved right back into their face. I just have no idea what to expect. Uh, you know, the Giants are a really tough team. Um, they beat the Giants 27 to 24 just the two or three weeks ago. So these two teams have played recently. Um, but I'll tell you what, like the Giants are not going anywhere. Daniel Jones is not turning the ball over. He's a weapon with his legs. And this Vikings defense is, is not good. So obviously, like I still have a little bit more thought and research. I think this is the closest game in the first round. Um, because I just, I don't believe in this Vikings team. Now, if Justin Jefferson goes off, anything can happen, but Dalvin cook got banged up in that game. So it might be a whole lot of Alexander Madison, which hurts them. Uh, and the Vikings defense just hasn't been that good this year. And it's the kind of game where, again, they just beat the giants 27 to 24 a few weeks ago. It'll be interesting to see how this one ultimately plays out. We'll get our picks and preview in on Friday. Um, Bengals, Ravens, uh, this felt – I mean, look, the the Ravens very clearly did not want to show anything. No Tyler Huntley in this game. They end up starting Anthony Brown. If you're a college football fan, you remember him from Oregon last year, who still was a shock the first time we saw him that he was even in the NFL. I didn't realize that he came into the game. Uh, And and the Ravens, like, they try to hang around a little bit. But, I mean, ultimately the Bengals – Bengals are playing really good football now. Uh, Alex Kappa, one of their offensive linemen, getting banged up is a big problem for the Bengals. And uh, the defensive line has also gotten banged up. So I'm a little worried about the Bengals in the trenches. I think out of all the teams remaining, I, I think – and you can say the same thing. Like the Chiefs' offensive line is really, really good. Their defensive line is pretty average, but they at least have Chris Jones. Uh, Buffalo's offensive lines played really well this year. The defensive line is deep, but – their most important pass rusher and Von Miller has been out for the season. And then the Bengals pretty good on both sides of the line of scrimmage, but a little bit banged up. So I think across the board, it kind of lines up for all three of these teams, the three favorites in the AFC to have about the same level of depth, talent, injury, health, all that stuff on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I'd probably give Kansas city a slight nod because their offensive line is really good and is fully healthy, but they're all around that same kind of ballpark. Now the Bengals defense makes a ton of plays. I I think that's what I like the most about this Bengals team is they're very opportunistic. 
They create a lot of turnovers. The secondary, even with Eli Apple and, and uh, I forget mm -hmm. the name of the other starting cornerback for the Bengals, like the, it's definitely not, you know, names that you write home about, but Jesse Bates has been huge for them this year. Uh, and they've been able to generate some good pressure between Sam Hubbard and some of the other, and uh, Trey Hendrickson as well. So the Bengals have as good of a shot at making a run towards the championship as anybody, uh, but they took care of business, eliminated any chance at a coin toss, and now they're sitting there with a home playoff game and most likely a trip to Buffalo shortly after that. Uh, and that's exactly right. They played a good game. Ravens didn't show much at all, but it was almost like, okay, we're going to play, win, and then we're going to do this rematch. Same same field, same everything. It's just going to be a little wild to, to have the same two teams play end of the, end of the regular season and then go right and then back and play the playoffs. Play. So uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going on with Lamar. I don't think anyone does. It's kind of crazy right now. Um, I, I don't even want to speculate on him, but I will say that this Bengals team, after the run they had last year, Look at what the Rams are doing, right? The Rams are, to your point, in shambles almost. Uh, with with not with losing a bunch of players, like they didn't. They lost a couple guys, but not many. Yeah. Um, so they fell apart quick. The Bengals to get back here, it's really hard to lose the Super Bowl and get back to the playoffs. Even so, you know, shout out to them. And and I, don't, I think Burrow obviously has the right mindset for these guys. Um, I fucking love Joe Burrow. Did you yeah, hear what I, he I, said after the game? No. They they talked about his. Uh, this team's Super Bowl window, like what, what, what do you think, you know, with the Super Bowl window that you guys have right now, obviously last year and this year? And his response was, the window is my entire career. As long as I'm here, we have a Super Bowl window. And I was like, fuck, that dude's awesome. Yeah. God damn it, I love Joe Burrow so much. I love him so much, like an irrational amount. Like I fucking love Joe Burrow. So he's, yeah, he's awesome. I, I think he killed it. No, I, and, and listen, he's leading him through the playoffs. We'll see what happens next week. I wouldn't be surprised. Like we're all saying, all the, you know, they won by 11 points. I wouldn't be surprised if they won by more next week, even with yeah. the bet, uh, Baltimore bringing everyone in that they can. Um, if Lamar doesn't play, this could get ugly. Yeah. I, I'll tell you this the most dangerous man in all of football is Joe Burrow with a cigar in his mouth because the, every time, man, we saw it at LSU. And now we've seen it in Cincinnati. You get, you get Joe Burrow feeling that cigar, man. It's, it's a wrap. I, uh, yeah. I love Cincinnati, and I, I, I think Kansas City is going to be my pick to come out of the AFC. I'm not sold on it yet, um, but I'll say this. like I, Cincinnati could very easily end up in the Super Bowl again, and I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. Uh, can, I, can I just say, too, I, I, I know we shouldn't do this too often. I think it's been a while enough where I can toot my own horn. I did all right. The fact that in preseason I did, I picked Baltimore versus the Eagles and the and Ravens to win the Super Bowl. That was my AFC NFC pick. At least they both made the playoffs. Listen, I've had some terrible calls this year. The Broncos winning the AFC West being probably the top of the pick, but um, I, I'm just glad that both of my playoff teams barely made the playoffs and now Baltimore probably screwed up. But uh, thank God the Eagles are going off. Yeah, I uh, I forget I had Green Bay in Kansas City. Um, but I think I had Green Bay beating the Eagles in the NFC championship game. So uh, I was right around it. I was hoping that yeah. Green Bay would make it just so I could say the same thing. Uh, I mean, I really, I wanted, I wanted the, the, the Lions to make it. That would have been the most fun yeah. uh, because the Lions, like the Lions could fuck around and would have, I think the Lions would have made a, a major threat against San Francisco. Yes, they play that kind of ball. I think that would have been a really, really fun game. Instead, we're left with Seattle, which is going to be a, a bit of a bummer. Um, 
the stupidest game of the NFL season, Texans, Colts. Um, <laughs> fuck Jeff Saturday. Fuck whoever that defensive back was that let the ball grow through his hands. I just – that was so bad. That was such a bad beat too. Um, but you know what? I will say, betting and all that aside, I loved what happened in this game. Because they said that Lovey Smith had a meeting with the organization the night before the game. And the next day, before, actually not even, Sunday night at like 11 o'clock is when it came out that Lovey Smith was getting fired. Two years in a row, two coaches for one year, David Culley last year, and then uh, a year here with Lovey Smith. Um, I, I don't love when an organization does that and kind of cycles through. I think Lovey Smith, what the hell was he supposed to do with this roster? Just like we said, we said the exact same thing last year with David Culley. The fuck are you supposed to do with this roster? Like yeah. have an ounce of understanding as, of the situation. Um, but the Texans, yeah, I think they had that meeting. And I think Lovey Smith said, fuck this. We're going out and winning this game this week. This Texans team fought hard. This Texans team almost beat Kansas city should have beaten Dallas. Like there was a couple of like things like, if the Texans win, what, five games this year, if those two games go differently against two playoff teams, are we saying Lovey Smith gets fired? Hell no, we're not saying that. Uh, and I get it. Like, they didn't play – they got blown out by Jacksonville in Week 17. There's a few games that looked really bad. They played the Eagles really tough earlier in the season. This team was – like, despite being 3-13, and 3-13-1, and one, this Texans team fought hard in every single game, and I think they deserve credit, honestly. Like, I think they deserve – more credit than um, they obviously are ending up getting. So uh, I just I, I did love that that Lovey Smith kind of left on a fuck you. It's like, hey, you're gonna fire me. Why yeah. don't we take away your number one overall pick? Fuck you. So I've always had a beef with the Texans organization, and it goes back to 2005. And this is actually a crazy story. I don't know if we talked about it on here, but it, this has been. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start this off by saying I know I'm gonna sound like a conspiracy guy. Okay. Because this has been wiped from the internet, but you can look this up in pieces of it. And, and here's how you know. It was in 2005, and the Texans were the worst team in the NFL. Um, and they ended up uh, – they had two wins on the whole season, and they were about to get a third win. And this is when the Reggie Bush class was coming out, right? So Reggie Bush was going to come. They ended up getting Mario Williams, but Reggie Bush, that was the deal out of USC. Everyone knew that he was going to be the top pick. In week 17 – against the San Francisco 49ers. The kicker, I'll never forget this. It was late in the game um, for the Texans. It's he it's end of the end of the regular season or end of the regulation time. They lose an overtime by a field goal. He kicks a ball that was easily makeable, maybe the 40 yarder. It went wide right by two field goal length posts. It was inc- straight, not a hook. It w- he meant to miss this kick so bad goes to the sideline and stands on the bench and screams, I love you, Reggie. And it was like funny because everyone knew like they're actively tanking to get the Reggie Bush pick. Now I'm telling you right now, go on YouTube, try. This video does not exist. I have three friends that we were with when we were younger. We will swear by this to our dying day. But what was crazy about that is that that, that right, they end up taking Mario Williams. They did an okay thing, but like they ended up firing that kicker. Um, And uh, yeah, the missed field goal was like, I forget how much it was a 37 yarder and he missed the field goal. And it was, everyone was like, Whoa, it was like four minutes left. And then at the end of the, of overtime, um, the 49ers kick a field goal, they lose and they keep the number one pick. 
But since that's happened, I've like always known the Texans. I don't know. Texans are the newest franchise in the NFL, right? They've yeah. had not major success, but I've always had something like a grind and axe to pick against them. I just don't like that that he did that. And the fact that they pr- tried to do this again and Lovey Smith said, fuck you, I, I could not be happier. Like that yeah. is an amazing thing for the NFL fans, for the players, for the coaches to say, you know, screw you ownership, you 32 billionaires. Yeah, it would be nice for the GM and stuff to have a nice pick. And that's great. But guess what? You're not going to have that because we're going to go out here and do our job. It also makes you wonder, too, because Reggie Bush was like the consensus number one overall pick that year. And the Mario Williams thing was not random. Like everyone knew he was going to be a first round draft pick, like a top five pick. But it does make you wonder because you the one thing I remember from that draft was it was like three days before the draft that they announced that they were going to yeah. pick Mario Williams, which is super rare. And like it happened from time to time back then. It's a lot less common now, but it does make you wonder if the NFL stepped in and said, you're not getting Reggie Bush. You can take yeah, anybody but Reggie up. Bush or we're going to leak out all this shit. You know what I mean? Like that would yeah. be very, very on brand for the NFL to do something like that. Um, and kind of do that behind closed. It'd be a very like David Stern, like when he was commissioner at the yeah. NBA kind of thing, where he'd be like, "You guys aren't getting that." Pick. It was an envelope, all yeah. that shit. Yeah, yeah. like yep. you're like, oh, you want you'll get the first pick, but you're taking somebody other than Reggie Bush. Mm-hmm. Um, that wouldn't be surprising at all. Uh, all right, but yeah, that game was stupid. Jeff Saturday, remember when they beat the Raiders? <laughs> remember in his first game, he beat the Raiders. I'm like, holy shit, Jeff Saturday. Uh, yeah, he'll yeah. be fine. Oh. He'll go. He'll go back to ESPN. He'll be fine. Um, Jets, Dolphins, this game made my eyes bleed, so uh, I'm not trying to talk about it too much. Um, I really wish the Jets had found a way to pull this off um, just because the Dolphins – look, obviously if two is healthy, the Dolphins are a fun team. They'd be a fun team to be in the postseason. Um, Two had three bad concussions this year. Um, I I don't think that dude should play football. Look, if I'm Tua, I'd consider never playing football again, honestly. Um, I don't think to, I don't think that's what's going to happen, and that might sound dramatic, but I'm talking about a dude's life, his brain, and and the more concussions you get in a short amount of time, the more dangerous they are in terms of long term. Like it, it, you can really fuck yourself up from that. Um, and if he plays in this game and risks it, uh, which as of right now he still hasn't been cleared from concussion protocol, so I think we're going to see Skylar Thompson starting this game again, which is a bummer, which is probably why, again, it's the one o'clock game on, on uh, Saturday. Cause it's going to be, you know, we'll get it out of the way, but yeah, for, for it, it, that's just a, that's just a bummer all the way around. Um, and I hope Tua takes the off season, gets fully healthy, comes back next year, and then maybe they'll, you know, be able to make a run. Cause obviously we know they have some elite skill position guys there and defensively they have some good pieces. Um, the offensive line is really solid, but uh Tua needs to make sure he's healthy. Um, and even still, like there's been ups and downs with Tua his whole career. So I uh, did have a safety, at least we ended the season with a safety <laughs> in that game, uh, which is fun, I guess. But uh, yeah, weird, weird game. And luckily the say I thought too, I was like, wait, did the safety fuck up the spread? No, the uh, dolphins, I believe were one and a half point underdogs in that game. So mm-hmm. I have it written down here somewhere, but um yeah, they were one-point underdogs. The Jets were one-point favorite going into that game. So, uh, wow. Dolphins sneak into the playoffs. They're probably they're going to get blown out by Buffalo on Saturday, and that'll be how we uh, how we kick it off. Uh, Panthers, Saints. We talked about them. Browns, Steelers. I, I do think, and I mentioned it earlier, but it is worth mentioning again. Um, yeah, Mike Tomlin. Just every time you think 
Mike Tomlin. Remember we were talking about earlier in the season, like I said, people were saying, is this going to be the end of Mike Tomlin? Like, is he going to leave? No, he's going to finish the season above 500 because that's what Mike Tomlin fucking does. It's incredible to see the, the grit out of Pittsburgh, like their identity, even with Kenny Pickett going in, it's just great. Najee Harris. I, I love that team, man. I love how Pickett plays um, being the only first round quarterback from last year's draft, there was a lot of, I think, pressure. Be, like, And I'm glad that they waited. I'm glad they didn't trade up and get him high. Like, They waited at their spot. They got their guy. And he had to come in. And listen, he's he's been the best-looking quarterback out of there, obviously, since Big Ben like had his shit going. And um, I loved to see the Steelers get this win. I wish they – like, honestly, wish they could have had a chance in there. I like the playoffs that they are. But, like, that's one team – you know, a couple things break differently on Sunday – and Steelers may end up in the playoffs. And I'll tell you what, that's a fucking good team. So yeah. I think next year they're going to come out. I expect them to to really contribute, be a wild card, if not win the division. It's hard with that division, um, you know, but I, I really do think that this is a building moment. And the fact that they're above 500, just insane, man. Like, no, again, there are a lot of these teams. Steelers are one of them. We talked about the Jags. We obviously talked about a few of the other ones, but like, uh, the Lions, the fact that we had a lot of teams midway through the season turn around and finish this strong with this many streaks is really incredible. And in the inverse, the Titans falling apart. Like, yeah. this, that's, I think, what's what's been crazy is that this final week did, like, almost put the emphasis, the the, the stamp on the fact that uh, teams were streaky as hell this year. Yeah. I mean, uh, eight and four from when Kenny Pickett took over. He took over after the Buffalo game when they lost 38 to three. His first start was that game against Tampa Bay that they won and they went eight and four. Uh, That's those, awesome. Including winning their last four straight games. They went six and one in their last seven games. Uh, really, really impressive. And, and like hopeful stuff, like, and it wasn't like Kenny Pickett's out there lighting the world on fire, but he definitely has a little bit of that, like magic sauce to him, man. And he, you know, the touchdown pass to win the game against, uh, Las Vegas and against Baltimore and back-to-back weeks on the final drive is awesome. Obviously, we know that defense is really good, but it, it makes me think of the line from Wedding Crashers when Bradley Cooper is like, crab cakes and football. That's what Maryland so does. And like <laughs> Mike Tomlin, it's like weird expressions and finishing over 500. That's <laughs> what Mike Tomlin does. It's exactly what he does. And he's the best at it. Apparently, yeah. I mean, think about this. This – Tomlin's done this. This is not something that Belichick has done. Okay. So like Belichick, you gotta remember when he had the injury to Tom, like they went they down. They went, no, they went, they went, they went 11 and, and five, seven. nine, and seven. That's right. They yeah. had another, when would they have their losing records? It was no, during his time. There was a, there was a graphic that came up when Steelers were playing on Sunday night, the Franco Harris night. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was like Tom Landry, Bill yeah. Belichick, someone else. It might've been Shula. And then, um, and then uh, Mike Tomlin to the only to have this many things. So he's like fourth all time in consecutive over 500 seasons. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, it's Tom Landry, it's Bill Belichick and it's, you know, Don Shula. It's like, we're talking yeah. about like arguably three of the top five greatest coaches in NFL history uh, that, that Mike Tomlin's in that thing. And look, he doesn't get that credit because the Super Bowl that they won was uh, well, the, yeah, the first Super Bowl, he was an assistant. And then the one that he won was just a couple of years later. Uh, when they won against the Cardinals and it's like he for some reason doesn't get that that credit that he deserves um, but he just consistently every year finds a way to get his team over 500 and uh, 500 or better I should say because I think last year yeah. they went eight eight and one 
right? Because I think they had a tie mixed in there too, which is how they snuck into the playoffs in the last game. So I think it's yeah. 500 or better. Every, it but but it's the fact that it's every single season he's ever exactly. been a coach. That part and so of I, it, I, that's the crazy. So, so to emphasize that, I think that's what I'm talking. Like Belichick, his first year at the Patriots, and even in 2020, they went seven and nine. Like they've had losing records while he's been there. Now yeah. there's a, obviously a great streak in between those two. Yeah. But to your point, it was from like, 2002 till 2020, I think was the stretch. So yeah, 2019 exactly. And so like the thing about this whole deal from 2001 on, it, it, it's incredible. But we're in the midst of that right now with Tomlin with a lot less press. And it's just, uh, it's incredible to see, man. Good for him. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Chargers, Broncos, we talked about. I will, I do want to touch yeah. at least a little bit on the Broncos. We don't have to do much, but um, the last couple games do make you wonder like how much of it really was Hackett and how much of it was the interim head coach isn't going to have to answer to the ownership, to the front office, the way that Hackett was going to. So there's a little bit more freedom in that. The interim head coach can just be like, fuck it. No, we're running the ball and you're going to work off that Russell Wilson. I don't give a shit what you think. Whereas Nathaniel Hackett kind of had to, I still, to my, to my dying days, will believe that the Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett because they were going after Aaron Rodgers, not because they wanted Russell Wilson. And when the Rodgers thing wasn't going to work out, they scrambled new ownership goes all in. And you know, the Russell Wilson thing didn't work out. However, this is weirdly enough, kind of more proof to what I've been saying, which is that Russell Wilson, it's not that he can't win games or can't be successful in the NFL anymore. It's that he never was the reason why the Seattle Seahawks was good. The, the letting Russ cook people have defiantly been proven wrong because what have the, what have the Broncos done the last two weeks when they've actually put up some good points, they ran the ball like mad. And they worked a ton of play action off of it, and they played good defense. What did the Seattle Seahawks do the entire time they were successful with Russell, with Russell Wilson? They ran the ball like mad. They worked play action off of it so Russ could throw deep and take his shots because he can still throw an amazing deep ball. And yeah, yeah. they played outstanding defense. I think that was the, the biggest thing that I saw was, yeah, in the formula, you're right. It's a little different. But, I mean, he, without a doubt, he's obviously played way below his own par. And what I saw – yesterday which was a little bit um hopeful give me a little hope which is scary um i don't want hope which is why i don't even want to talk about them because like i just want this season to be done yeah it is and especially at the end of a season going in the off season what i saw though was a couple deep balls he threw that looked like the old like hey he's taking shots his completion percentage wasn't great but he he looking at him he looked a lot better he still does this thing where if there's any pressure he almost like takes the ball puts it like a rugby holding where like you have elbows out on both sides. He's holding it in the middle and he's looking down at like his lineman's back and he's trying to like, how am I going to scramble out of this? Dude, you do not have the time and you do not have the athletic, like he can still take off and run. Don't get me wrong, but he yeah. is freezing. And, and that's the part where I don't know what has to happen this off season. I don't know who we have to pay on the offensive line. I don't know what we need to do. We need to make a lot of improvement there. Um, and hopefully a coach can come in and do that. And to your point, who's, like who can come in and coach Russ? What are we going to do? Obviously Sean Payton's been linked out there and, uh, and we you know, got you permission know the to talk to him in January. Do you know who the coach the is looking... that's, that's going to come in and run the ball and he's not going to give a shit what the quarterback thinks and is going to play his system. The same one that had a catch with Peyton Manning in on the field in San Francisco and told him you're going to run my offense. It's Jim Harbaugh. That Jim would be uh freaking Harbaugh, which Here's the thing, based off of what Russell Wilson does well, 
Russell Wilson isn't going to be Drew Brees. Like what, what they tried to do this year was similar to what Drew Brees did with Sean Payton. And honestly, Sean Payton probably doesn't want to go coach Russell Wilson because he's seen it with his own eyes. Russ cannot read the field. You have to get him in space. You have to work the play action off of it, and you have to support him with a good defense. Jim Harbaugh can deliver all those things, and the more important thing is you can't coddle him. He is one of those, like, the lack – and when I say this, I don't mean like he's a crazy person, but, like, he's a complete narcissist with a zero sense of, like, self-awareness, right? He's not a narcissist in the terms of, like, an egomaniac because he doesn't realize that he's doing it. Like, Russell Wilson is so detached from how he is perceived that it makes him a really difficult person to be a teammate for. Like it goes back to the stuff that Richard Sherman was saying, like him and uh, uh, Marshawn Lynch came onto Richard Sherman's podcast. Neither one of them has, has his personal cell phone number. Think about how crazy that is right in today's day and age, they have to go through his agent in order to talk to him. And that's a dude that they both won a Super Bowl with. And that's not like, you know, Richard Sherman was some special teamer on that team. He was the best player on that defense. And Marshawn Lynch was one of his best friends in that backfield. Like there's just a detached sense. And you need, I honestly think you need a guy like Harbaugh who's just as insane as Russell Wilson, but in a completely different way, because either they're going to butt heads completely, or it's going to actually turn into something good on the football field. And Jim Harbaugh's had so much success in the NFL and even in college, wherever he's gone. I mean, Michigan took a while, but just think about what he did in the 49ers, man. It's, it's, it's hard to argue, especially um, they had the Alex Smith thing. He went to Colin Kaepernick, which was an amazing call at that time. You got to remember that was not the popular opinion. No, it had nothing to do with Colin Kaepernick and in, in, in the national anthem. That's everything to do with Alex Smith was playing his best ball of his career. They're like, nah, we're going to go with Kaepernick. And he had like what the most he got a little banged up. game ever. Yeah. He got yeah. most rushing yards in any game ever by a quarterback. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I think that'd be really fun. Um, it's going to be, a, that's a really interesting one. Uh, another coach or team that's going to be looking for a new coach, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the Niners <laughs> took care of business after a, uh, a close first half that should have been tied at 14, but the Cardinals missed the extra point. Uh, and then blown out in the second half, the Cardinals end up winning by, uh, what do we got here? Yes, uh, 18 points here. Um, so big time, big time win for uh, the Arizona card or sorry for the 49ers. They are looking good. The defense has pl- played better this week after the Jarrett Stidham weird game. Um, but I will say, I think this card, this Niners team is somewhat beatable, but they have to be the scariest team. Um, Debo Samuel came back in this game, which was uh, encouraging to see for Niners teams. I think the best situation in terms of the casual fan uh, would be a, a Niners-Eagles-NFC championship game. Um, especially because, look, who's the last team that won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback? The Eagles, right? Yeah. And you're going to Philly. It's going to be battle-tested. Brock, you know, Brock Purdy, rookie, Mr. Irrelevant, taking on this team and the Eagles are the one seed, been the best team, in, in honestly, in the league all year, but then also in the NFC. That'd be a really, really fun matchup. I think the two teams match up really well. Great pass rush from the uh, San Francisco 49ers going up against a mobile quarterback and this awesome wide receiver room that the Eagles have running game, both guys that they're skilled players and stars all over the place. That'd be a super, super fun game. It would give me so much anxiety. Um, But the Niners, I think have a pretty clear path. Like they should, if they end up playing Minnesota or the giants and because I think they'll take care of business against Seattle, 
I, I'm not worried about that. And then I think they'll go up against, you know, the Vikings or the, uh, the, the giants in the second round. And I liked, well, I guess they wouldn't play the giants. They would play either the Vikings uh, or potentially would be playing Tampa Bay. I mean, there's a whole bunch of teams that could end up playing either way. Yeah. I'm not really worried about them going up against any of them in particular, but you know, Brock Purdy continues to do this, this crazy ass run that they've been on and the Niners and what they finished with 10 straight wins. Is that it? It's something that, I mean, they have a streak for sure. I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm pretty sure it was 10 straight wins they finished with. Yeah. I mean, listen, he's had a, he's had a pretty damn good year. Um, and I would just say this, his, I mean, he played his probably his best game last week. I mean, just in terms of efficiency, but I'm, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen when he plays the top tier defenses in the NFL. Yeah. And, and hopefully, right. I mean, he's played some, some good pass rushers and some good players, but he hasn't really had to play an insane defense. I'm trying to look here. I mean, the best defense he probably played, maybe he was Seattle, no, um, New Orleans. I don't even know if he, I, I, he I think up. it was new Orleans or that, that I, I think that was the no, first that, game that he started. Oh, maybe, maybe that was when he played, but didn't start technically, I think is what they had. But I mean, listen, he, he played the chiefs a little bit. Um, but I just think in general, we're going to see something out of him. I think this first game, but that's the thing is I've never been so, I've never seen the general public so confident, including me, including you about a team that has such a big question mark at quarterback going into the thing, because listen, Brock Purdy, you can say he's not a question mark and he's, played really efficiently and done a great job, but, but he has never played in the playoffs before. And when we, when we talk about any first year player, it doesn't matter what they do. Even Joe Burrow is like, Oh, he's on the streak. It's crazy, but Hey, he's got to go in the playoffs and he was able to do it. Right. So yeah. what, what are we going to see out of Purdy? And, and that's the crazy part. Seattle, listen, Pete Carroll knows what he's doing on defense, but that team, like you have an elite team around you, Brock Purdy, you know, all you have to do, if you can get the ball to your receivers, you have some of the most talented players, athletes on your team ever assembled. Just dish it out. The defense will do their thing. This is going to be a weird team where I don't think they're going to lean on Brock Purdy to win. And if they, they're going to have to at some point, right? If they're losing, they're going to have to lean on Brock Purdy. That's when I want to see how he operates because I don't feel like he's had to do that that often. Yeah. And it's tough. And I'm rooting for the kid. Let me, I'll be on record right now saying I'm rooting for him. I would love to see them in the NFC Championship, barely losing to the Eagles. That's my dream. Out of the yeah. NFC, so we'll see. I think it'd be fun. Uh, yeah, we had the, he came into the game against Miami, so it was Miami, Tampa Bay, Seattle, Washington, Vegas, and Arizona. The point totals in those games with Brock Purdy 33, 35, 21, 37, 37, 38. I mean, they have so That's much wild. skill, right? And look, Washington's defense has been up and down, but for the most part, it's been pretty good. Uh, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay's defense has been up and down, but for the most part has been pretty good. Vegas's defense is not good. Arizona's defense hasn't been good. Uh, Seattle's defense, same thing, kind of up and down. They actually had some success against them. It's all going to come down to how they're able to defend Christian McCaffrey, who's just been an absolute beast. Uh, and then they get, um, in, in addition to that, they now got uh, Debo Samuel back. And, and Brandon Ike, who's been an absolute like revelation this year. Uh, so yeah we'll see uh and then the cardinal side cliff kingsbury he gets the axe the dead cap money it's obviously huge for them um but cardinals will be looking they're going to be an interesting spot next year they have a top 10 pick 
in the draft. Uh, Kyler Murray likely not to play until for the majority, if not all of next season. Um, and given the amount of money that you just signed to Kyler Murray, I think you're probably going to be a little bit more conservative and when it comes to bringing him back, but the Cardinals will yeah. be looking for a new head coach as potentially might be the Los Angeles Rams. Um, some of this, this, this Sean McVay story is really wild. Uh, it seems as though he's struggling with, I mean, he's had a crazy stretch. There was an article uh, and, and Shefty put out in the article, just kind of detailing all the stuff he's kind of gone through in the last year since winning the Super Bowl. He seems like he's burnt out. I mean, we know, I mean, Sean McVay is still crazy young. I think he's what, 35, 36. Um, he's had an impeccable year. Uh, and, but if you're the Rams, it's like, if he leaves, are you going to let him just go? Like, or are you going to say, Hey, like the spot will be here when you get back. The Rams still have an open window right now. Cause Stafford's going to come back next year. I, I don't know what happens. And the Rams are such a fascinating story. And from an off season stuff, some, something we talked about all the time with less need, their GM going all in trading all of their yeah. draft picks over and over again, they got their Super Bowl right, so it has to all be worth it in the end. But now we're sitting here and being like, the Rams might, especially if McVay doesn't come back, that roster is depleted. I mean, does does Jalen Ramsey hang around? Do you trade him to try to get draft picks back? Like I, Aaron Donald might not come back next year. There's a whole lot of question marks with this Ram team who is still less. What are we? Ten months away from or removed from them winning a Super Bowl. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's. It, listen, you usually, again, usually the losing teams of the Super Bowl have this fall apart. The Rams just really couldn't do it. Um, and I, I don't know, man. I With the Sean McVay thing, I really feel for him because what I'm seeing is a guy, to your point, I, I don't know what it is about our generation, and maybe I'm getting a little meta in the workplace, but the point is, is that I would say people who are under 38, 40, approach work a little differently than, than the generation before us and think about whatever you work in think about the people in your industry. You probably agree with me at some point. It's just, there's generational differences, just about how long people stay at companies. This is again, removed from the NFL, how, how often people like take time to, to be off in between how often people use vacation. It's all different. And uh, what I, what I'm seeing here is the first one of like the younger coaches just being like, man, I'm burnt out. And I would love nothing more for him to step away and uh, take a year or two and come back. Like there's nothing saying you can't come back, but this is a grind. People you hear all the time stories about coaches who their families put their lives on hold, their significant others, their relationships with everyone else outside of the locker room is really difficult. And I think that this should be normalized a little more about, Hey, this coach can take some time off. Now there are people who love it, want to coach every day of their life. And you'll find those guys. I think Sean McVay might even be one of those guys, but he needs a break. And if you need a break, personally, I think because of how often people are fired in the NFL, you'd rather have a guy like Sean McVay step away for a couple of years before it gets to a bad point where everything's stale. They fire him. And then he has to go through this and it's different. Leave now while, hey, you know what? We won a Super Bowl last year. It wasn't great this year. You guys will find your way. I need to figure out my own life. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll see each other again. I feel like that's almost what Sean Payton did a little bit. Now, given there's a couple asterisks, right? You had Drew Brees leave uh, on the Rams side. You might have Aaron Donnelly. We don't know, but you're definitely in a different spot now than you were 10 months ago, yeah. obviously. And I just think that let this guy do what he wants to do. I would be really excited if this became a little more normal because what I don't like 
is coaches that open, not overstay their welcome, but um, they're coaches that hang around for a long time and get fired. And you're like, why they got to get fired? And like, well, it was stale. So man, you know what? The NFL is like that. It's a business. And usually the coaches are on the worst end of it. I would love to see a coach on the good end of it. Right. Yeah. Moving on his terms. Cause it's very rare, very rare a coach leaves on their own terms from team. Um, yeah, I, I completely, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, I, I pulled up the list that Schefter kind of put together in his article um, about mm-hmm. some of the stuff. It says McVeigh has gone back and forth on the decision and needs time to get away to process all that has transpired over the past year, winning a Super Bowl, being courted to work in television, getting married, watching his wife's home country of Ukraine be invaded, losing his grandfather, and then coaching a team that has fallen short of its expectations. Um, and what was an incredibly hard coaching situation too, and still getting that team to five wins, given everything that's happened is a pretty big accomplishment. So, um, yeah, I mean, think about the quarterbacks. It it was John Walford and Bryce Perkins and now Baker Mayfield all, and, and and you lose Andrew Whitworth, who was a huge part of your, you know, Mm -hmm. chemistry and leadership group the, the year before. Um, and then that offensive line was decimated with injuries within, you know, basically before the training camp even finished out. And then you out on top of that, the first couple weeks of the season when they were playing backups all over the place, um, they just were unable to their, their offensive coordinator, who Liam Cohen, who they just brought to LA from university of Kentucky is going back to Kentucky this off season. So there's a whole, a whole lot going on in Sean McVay's life. And honestly, just as a human being, you hope that he does what he has to do to, to take care of all that. Um, Seahawks went a big game, thought they were going to blow it there. I thought a tie would have been a fascinating way to have that. Oh my end. God. I, I right? wanted it so bad. Uh, because then it's like, all right, well then if Detroit wins, they're in the playoffs, right. You know, um, yeah. and then Baker threw that pick at the end, but the Seahawks, look, their season's been really fun, and I don't think they're going to be able to beat San Francisco. It's a divisional game, right, so you never know. Um, yeah. and, and the last time the, the two teams played, it didn't go great for Seattle, but Kenneth Walker looks healthy and has been a pretty big factor. Uh, Geno Smith played a pretty good – you know, has played less than he was earlier in the season, but is still playing solid football. By the way, shout-out Geno Smith. Gets a million-dollar bonus for leading them yeah. to the playoffs, uh, which him, is man. fucking awesome. Uh, and yeah, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, Seattle, they did what they needed to do. I mean, just an all time victory lap moment too, for Pete Carroll and, uh, Snyder, the, uh, the GM there and everything that they did getting rid of Russell Wilson. The expectation was they're going to be the worst team. Uh, one of the worst teams yeah. in the NFL drafting a guy that like, I was really low on Charles cross. I, he was my lowest rated offensive tackle coming out last year. He's been fantastic for them. Their offensive line is anchored with two good young tackles on each side. Uh, they might try to run it back next year, but they also own the Rams draft pick. So they're in position to try to trade up and maybe get Bryce young or go after CJ Stroud. Uh, and, and they're going to have a chance to be there too. So good for Seattle. They're in an all time yeah. position right now. Uh, and, and yeah, good for them. That's awesome. Uh, Cowboys commanders, Sam Howell looked awesome in this game. I love that. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Uh, and the Cowboys looked like shit and they were playing their starters. So there's no excuses. They looked like shit offensively, defensively. This team is the hardest team to figure out in the NFL. They've been that way all season. And Micah Parsons of all people actually said it best, which was after the game talking about, we, this people in the locker room need to look around and ask what they actually want right now. 
do they want to be the MVP? Do they, do they want to make all the interceptions? Do they want to be pro bowlers or do they want to win a championship? That's where this locker room needs to do right now. And for them to say that after a 12 win season and going into the playoffs is the highest seeded wild card with a very beatable team like Tampa Bay in front of you. And that's where we're at. The, the dysfunction in the locker room has to be absolutely awful. And we talked about this with the Trevon Diggs thing, right? Like he, he went on to Twitter immediately after that game when it was the split interception. I forget who it was the Texans game. And like, you almost just lost to the Texans. You pull out a miracle win at the last second and you're going on to Twitter first thing and saying like, damn, like that. I want everyone to know that was my interception. That wasn't his, that was my interception. Like, what are we doing? Um, yeah. I love it as an Eagles fan, but as a football <laughs> fan, I'm just like this team. Dysfunction. Is, this team has has to be dysfunctional in inside because, and that's kind of the thing. It's like you have a kind of quiet leader in Dak, who I think everyone likes Dak, but I don't know how like he's not like a rah rah leader. Like Jalen Hurts is like a he walks in and like dudes who are 12, 13 years older than him look up to him and follow him. I don't know if Dak quite has that same leadership that you know some of these other guys have um because he is soft-spoken and again everyone likes Dak but is he like the true leader guy like is he that badass dude that everyone's following into battle or is it a team full of CeeDee Lambs and Zeke Elliott's and uh Trayvon Diggs and all these guys who are about me I think it's the latter man I think and, and again we're not in the locker room right but what we can tell you is we follow what is said a lot more than the average fan coming out of locker rooms and you've been around a lot of guys that know locker rooms. I've been around a lot less, but a few. And uh, what I can tell you is that when something comes out like this and, and one, it's either a joke or two, it's, it's uh, another point of data along a trend that's showing that in the Cowboys organization, they don't have enough leadership. When you talk about the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, the number one reason, go back to when they drafted him in the second round, a lot of fans were pissed. They're saying the number one thing, this guy's just great to have in the locker room. That was Howie's point. Like, this is a leader. That's just, we want this guy in the locker room. We don't give a shit. And clearly it's turned out great. You have people like that all over the NFL on every team. I would argue to say there's some people that are, that they are leaders and you're like, oh, that person's leader. I would have had no idea because they're not a bona fide starter or they're a guard or they're right. Yeah. Like Whitworth is someone everyone now knows because the NFL player of the year won a Super Bowl was last year for the 14 years before that, I couldn't tell you much about him. Yeah. Um, and, and he existed and, and really helped out a lot of organizations. So there are these guys all around the NFL, but when it's at the quarterback position, it just means more. Um, we've obviously seen like Russell Stanton, his whole attitude towards it is a lot different and the, the detachment, whatever Dak was gone for a lot of the time last year with an injury, right? Like there, there's a lot of different things that happen here, but I don't think he has the same command on the Cowboys that hurts does in, in what year two. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's totally different. And, and to your point, I mean, I would even say like Jared Goff and the Lions. I'm just looking through it. Like um, Herbert and the chargers, like all these guys, Herbert's quiet too, but he's that leader that is very much, Hey, I'm going to go put it in, I'll put in all the work. I'm going to lead by example. Dak's doing that, but but the thing is, he's not converting in games. And if you're not playing well in games, it's hard to be a rah-rah guy and talk up. And he wasn't like that before anyway. I think that they have this conundrum in, in uh, Dallas because Mike McCarthy doesn't seem like that guy either. You know, yeah. this is a team that I think would have greatly benefited from – everyone talked about this a long time ago. 
And it was like, man, like, this is way back to Bill Parcells. He had Sean Payton as his assistant. And the plan was always Sean Payton was going to take over the Cowboys. Bill Parcells kept coaching. Sean Payton got his opportunity, left, and then everything else happened. But I think that this team, if you're talking about the Cowboys, man, if they could make one switch, I think it'd be a coach. And I think you need a guy like Sean Payton to come in and be a leader of this team. Say, hey, here's how we're doing it. Nothing against Mike McCarthy. I just think to your point, Dak and him and all these guys are a lot like that. And Jerry Jones is kind of leading from the top. It's the same thing we talked about from like a statistical argument. It's like he's he's very much like Kirk Cousins. Like everyone likes Kirk Cousins. Everyone who's played with him says like, yeah, he's a nice, he's a really nice guy. Yeah, everyone says that about Dak. Dak's a really nice guy. His story is amazing, right? Um, he's been a very productive, very good player in the NFL. But he comes up short in big moments. He'll have moments in the regular season with big games. He'll lead a touchdown drive or a light second drive against the Texans to go down and win the football game. And he'll have moments where you're like, yeah, Dak's the guy, right? But then in every playoff game he's ever played in, he's come up way short and has looked really bad doing so. And we're sitting here now, like, I don't know if Dak is the kind of guy where it's like, yeah, he's really, he's a good guy. But then why is it all the time that you have all these person, like everyone on the Eagles, Eagles win a game or they lose a game, whatever. The only things you see on, on social media are, hey, we'll be back better or great team win, go birds. Like, it wasn't pretty, but we won, right? Like, that's a team that's, like, unified into one goal. And whatever for whatever reason, this Cowboys team feels very out of sorts in terms of what, what are the players? Like, yes, there's tons of talent, but are they cohesively connected? Like, is this a team with that one goal mindset or is it a team – where Zeke is worried about, hey, am I going to jump into the the giant red bucket thing at the end of the end zone again this week? Or what are we going to do differently now? And like, yes, every team does planned or, you know, celebrations. I'm not saying that they're the only ones yeah, that do man. that. But it's just like that is the energy that you get from this Cowboys team. And that's the energy that we've gotten now for multiple years since they've had Dak Prescott and then they drafted him in 2016. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, last game, the Sunday night game, Lions-Packers. Just awesome. Again, we touched on a little bit earlier. Lions yeah. getting a chance to win that game, finish above 500. I wish they were in the postseason, um, but they did all they could do, right? And they knocked out their hated rivals. They finished higher in the rankings than the Packers. And Dan Campbell proved, hey, we're building something here. Um, and Jared Goff was awesome. Jared Goff was awesome this whole season. And he deserves credit. Yeah. It's, it's a team of, you know what this team feels like? especially with the coaching staff and all being former players and whatnot, it kind of feels like the Island of mis- of misfit toys, right? Yeah. It's a bunch of outcasts and you got big V who was on the Eagles run there. You got Jared Goff, you know, uh, DJ shark and you get all these guys. Amon Ross St. Brown was an afterthought in that draft. Right. And you got all these guys and it kind of feels like the Island of misfit toys where they said, we're weird. We're different. We run our team different, but you know what? We're going to show up and fucking compete weekend. And it, that game against the Panthers still, you know, that's going to haunt them for a while. Cause that's a game they should have won. Um, they came up a yeah. little short, but still awesome way for them to finish. And now the Packers are sitting there like, what's the future hold. There's a lot of Rogers retirement speculation starting up all over again. I don't think that's going to happen. He just signed that big extension, but Hey, crazier things have happened. Yeah. I mean, looking at this team, I do want to recap a little bit because obviously they had hard knocks, Jamal Williams and that whole deal and how emotional he got. And you can tell he's a leader on the team. And then for him to come out yeah, and again, Williams DeAndre out. Swift is just incredible, but, but Jamal Williams having what breaking Barry Sanders touchdown record, getting 17 for the lions. Incredible. This Lions team had 
think they were fourth in yards per game, fifth in points per game. They have the worst defense in terms of yards in the NFL. And, uh, you know, it, it's just – it's not good. They're fifth worst in points. They have some work on that side. But to your point, Jerichoff showed up, and this offense showed up. I'm on Ross St. Brown. This is a good offensive team. And uh, I know Dan Campbell's going to work on that defense and get it right. So yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for this team. I think, you know, out of the North, I don't like the Vikings. I don't like the Packers. The Bears are going to be cool for a little bit, but like, fuck yeah, Lions. Let's see what you guys got. You know, I love it. And, you know, they have, uh, so they're the ones who had the Rams draft pick, not the Seahawks. Seahawks have the Denver draft pick, Bronco, uh, yeah. which is that, which is equally as, as good um, as they both finished with the same record, five and 12. Um, but yeah, so the Lions, uh, they'll get the Rams draft pick from this year and, uh, and that'll be, yeah, it'll be great for them. Um, it'll be another top 10 pick. The defense is, was bad this year, but was young. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson's a stud. You know, that Akuto showed some flashes after you took him top three, a couple years ago, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, one of the best rookie linebackers. Yeah. I mean, that was an awesome story in hard knocks and continued, uh, you know, again, he's, he had to learn, but like as a, as a sixth round rookie coming in, playing as well as he did undersized guy flying around the field. He was really awesome. Uh, and I'll tell you what, there's going to be people who see what they did here. And there's going to be guys, uh, especially because they have cap space too. They're going to go out and sign guys. And we saw a flash. It got called back for uh, a holding, I think, or a hands to the face call, but the Jameson Williams touchdown that got called back. Holy shit. Is he fast? Yeah. So you're going to get another so year healthier Jameson Williams. Uh, to come back, this offense is going to be really fun. Um, yeah, they're the island of misfit well, toys, man. They really are, and uh, well, and they use and it to their thing, advantage. Totally, and I think one thing to your point about uh, people going to teams, we always hear, at least I've always heard for a long time, like, yeah, but like, oh, that city, or oh, is this place? I'd rather live in LA than this place, whatever. That happens in college recruiting a lot, but let me tell you what, in the NFL, I did not realize until recently, um, talking to some guys, is that. They're working the entire goddamn time. They don't have free time. They they're yeah. traveling to other stadiums. They're working out. They're doing whatever. A lot of them don't live in the same city that they work in, right? Mm -hmm. So who cares if it's Detroit and it gets cold? They have a dome and they're like, I anyone could go there. To your point, don't think that Detroit the market is going to deter anybody in the NFL from going to Detroit. No, that's that's not a real reason to stay away, especially if the money's right too. Like that's the biggest thing, right? If yeah. you're willing to pay people. They'll come play in Jacksonville. We saw that right with Christian Kirk this year. Um, if you're willing to pay people, they'll come play wherever you want them to come play. And uh, especially if they're playing for a guy like, you know, Dan Campbell, who could very easily have been a laughing stock. This team started one in six, finished out the season going eight and two. And, uh, and honestly, we're damn close to finding their way into the playoffs. And uh, they, they were, you know, a Baker Mayfield interception away potentially from that happening. So uh, credit to the Lions Packers future will be interesting. Um, and we'll see, we'll see where it goes. Uh, there was a report that LaFleur said that he was open to bringing Hackett back to on the, uh, on the staff there in green Bay, which I hope just because I like Nathaniel Hackett, the person, I hope that dude's okay. And I hope he's able to, to land on his feet as, as we know, coaching it's a fraternity. They're going to protect each other. Um, last thing here, anything else or the most memorable moment from the regular season now that, we, uh, you know, the 2022 regular season is behind us? I think it has to be that the Indianapolis Vikings game where the crazy comeback yeah. happened. 
that to me, like we will never see that again. Um, one other quick note, I believe it happened. I believe the punter, oh, I'm going to mess this up now. Someone broke it. One of the, my favorite records of all time that Bill Belichick himself said would never be broken. It was the punter who averaged more than 51 yards per, per punt. Mm. Um, uh, that was a record held by a quarterback, Sammy ball, legendary quarterback. Um, he held that for over 70 years. So, um, pretty, pretty in, impressive to see. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was Ryan stone. What was it? Stonehouse, Ryan Stonehouse. So, uh, for but for what uh, Tennessee Titans, for the Titans. Titans okay. Yeah. So he was in that last one, but point, uh, put that aside. It's gotta be, it's gotta be the Vikings comeback. I mean, just to how far they were down the Frank Reichel thing on, they fired Frank Reichel and let his record go. I, that's the memorable weekend for me. And that also had the Patriots play um, as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't what think I'll, I'll I'll probably never forget Jeff Saturday just showing up on the sideline. That was that that whole yeah. him, that I mean, going from ESPN to coaching an NFL team the next week was so bizarre. Um, but to me, the 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 lasting thing that will burn in my mind forever from this season was the Buffalo Bills returning an opening kickoff back after Demar Hamlin. Um, I, think, I think I think the most memorable moment of the season will be Demar Hamlin and, and the night and how scary it was. Yeah, but yeah. it that will always be paired with the kick return, like the kick return the Demar for Demar Hamlin. Um, and did you see the crazy stat too that the, they hadn't had a kick return for a touchdown uh, in three years and three months? No, I didn't. That's awesome. Until until that game, so it'd been three years and three months since the. Uh, since the bills had a kick return for a touchdown. So just to add a little bit of extra goosebumps on top of it, that was pretty special. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that image, I, well, that will never ever be forgotten by me. That was unbelievable. So, um, yeah. and, and I, there's a lot of this to remember, but. Yeah. I was going to say, we could probably go for an hour, but I will say on the personal note, uh, very appreciative of uh, um, my boy, Grant Calcaterra yeah. for the Eagles all of his family. I mean, just seeing him get drafted to my city and then being able to hang out with him and his family, like um, it still doesn't hit me a lot of times that he's in the NFL, which is crazy. But like, um, I would just say this guy's really humble. Um, we'll have him on here soon, but he, uh, this off season he, for sure. After a Super oh, we'll, we'll Bowl get win. him on. We can even, we can, yeah, after the Super Bowl win for sure. We could even after get him on a Super the playoffs. Bowl but win, we're getting the, Greg uh, Calcaterra. The on. biggest thing I think Knock is just wood. knowing knowing that a lot of these guys in the NFL, we saw a lot with Demar and and how all these guys treat each other as brothers. It's a lot of fucking great people in the NFL that yeah. are upset, like that do a lot of shit that me at 23 would never do and, and just never think about. It's an ignorant thing, and and they're great fucking people in this league, um, all over the place. So yeah, um, yeah, some might drop a ball, but just remember that that person's probably doing a lot of good for a lot of people. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, couldn't have said it better myself or ended it on a better note. So with that, we will wrap up the pod. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, sorry again, we were a day late. Just wanted to get all of the national championship talk in there. We will be back on Friday. We will preview the wild card round. We got six games coming up this weekend. And before you know it, we're going to be down to what? It's five games or six games after that. And then we'll be down to, four two games and then we'll be down to one game and it's all just going to happen super fast so uh remember how we always say it man treasure it while it's here it's going to be a lot of fun but yeah thank you to Vito. uh as always we'll get scotty back on for friday's pod have a wonderful week 
and we'll talk to you guys on Friday. And as always, take it easy, everybody.